Welcome back. No means nerd. No means no nick. No means nothingness to the No Means Nothing, No Means No Thing podcast, episode 51. The podcast where three absolute complete fucking idiots do their very, very best to try to find the best No Means No song of all time. Spoilers. There isn't one. You know it. I know it. We all know it. Uh, so you all know me. I'm one of your hosts. Well, maybe you don't. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan. I'm Matthew. Hello. I'm Michelle, your bell. And you you remember us. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and jump in here in just a minute. But before we do, you know, last week we had a guest podcast host, which that episode was fucking great and yeah. makes me wonder how we can still doing this do this podcast when there's that other guy, Sean, out there who could also do <laughs> one really well. But that was really enjoyable. That was fucking great. So, Sean, thank you for doing that and yeah, for filling yeah. in for us, um, even though that wasn't his intention. We held that one in our back pocket for a little while. Because for the first time ever, us three assholes met live and cuddly Mm -hmm. and in person uh, up in the up in the north. Um, It was pretty (laughs) fucking great. We great white north. I uh, I flew up and strangely picked me up. We drove up, got Matthew uh, in Vancouver and then drove farther north where we had the absolute once in a lifetime honor of getting to meet. And well, I got to meet these guys have already met before and kind of hang out around the bonfire with the uh, one mr john wright which was pretty fucking spectacular i must say and Bucket um list. and list. calling mccray from pigment vehicle and we also got to see scott henderson we were up there it was just i don't even i don't even know what to tell you guys it was and fucking their wild Indian and their Hermione. lovely wives oh my god the meal that that uh john's wife cooked for us was uh, yeah, i still lingers in, I know. in my mind really, uh, interesting artistic partner stephanie absolutely yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. that that was a lot of fun um it was a good good time yeah man and uh i never figured jason lamb came with us and um that was cool too i'd never met him in the flesh either we got to matthew's house from both from victoria and everything like that (laughs) yeah i know exactly exactly yeah i mean it was a it was a a no means no palooza in a certain respect uh or maybe (laughs) a no means no thing podcast palooza i don't know but um no means no palooza's yeah, there you go. There you go. It was great, great fun. I will never, ever, ever, ever forget it. Um, right. And yeah, super, super fucking grateful. John, if you're out there listening, man, that was a total blast. And, uh, oh, man. You are sorry we drank all that whiskey. And, uh, I want to get you Totally another, belying the, the old uh, tenant. Does, don't, meet, don't meet your heroes. Oh. That was yeah, silly. meet this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. That's the exception, right? It was yeah. way, way fucking just one of the nicest people I've ever met. And... Got to see the uh, drum set that Wrong was oh recorded on. That was oh like one God. of those fucking like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Here it is. Yeah. And the keyboard that Slowly Melting was recorded on. By the way, confirmation, the guitar solo in Slowly Melting was indeed a keyboard, not a guitar. The ripping one. You know, you all know what I'm talking about. And uh, I got to see that keyboard and I was just slack jawed. <laughs> you asked John, like, yeah, it's a keyboard. It's, yeah, right, it's, there. it's right there. <laughs> oh my God. fucking kidding me? Anyway, I mean, there's plenty of anecdotes we should share, but I, I don't know. I mean, they'll come out over time as we recur uh, as they right. recur to us. Yeah. But uh, anything so we, else we said, you guys want to? Yeah, no, not it. really. Just uh, just we said at the um, at the uh, outset of the the show, there's a three tremendous idiots, uh, and uh, everybody got bored of us, so we decided to start bringing a fourth idiot on board. Uh, <laughs> so without further ado we should uh, introduce our our fourth very gracious uh idiot um 
Somebody want to do it? Andy. Yes. Uh, oh, oh, oh it. it's not Andy Curtis. You do it, Strangey. <laughs> don't bury the <laughs> No, no. Oh, yeah, right. I should put the last name. No, it's not Andy Kerr. Sorry, but it's another Andy. It is, it is equally cool. His name is Andy Sando. He's from the UK, and he used to be on the message board as Sandy, if anybody remembers that old message board where we all met together. Hell Sandy yeah. Sandy was on there. Andy, welcome Good to evening. the podcast. Yeah. Good evening. Thank you for having hey. me on. That been real plen- there's been many, many message boards. All the Don't way back to Friends of Incentive. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Satan yeah. sold my state. Satan stole my teddy bear. Teddy bear, right. The, Sarah, um, Sarah Francis. Wrong records. Sarah, uh, records. Yeah, the um, At My Desk. At My was Desk. The first place mm-hmm. I ever came across yeah, Memories Now Online. And then yep. the Wrong Records Forum, where Rob downloaded his laptop. <laughs> and then all the way up to the uh, No Means, what was it? No Means, no means whatever. whatever. No Means Whatever. Podcast. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, that's uh, it's been a long, strange history, and here we are in the uh, 2020s, still keeping it going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. Yeah, man, oh, we're man. thrilled. We're thrilled. And Time. as you as you know, having listened to the podcast for at least a couple episodes, um, you we play this game, Power of Positive Drinking, and we like to start with our guests. So, Andy, what are you drinking? So I am really bringing the big guns because I feel so honored Whoa. to have been asked. And I feel I need to set the bar high with this. Oh boy. So yeah. you you in the Zoom. So I have my Papi Van Winkle. Oh, Bourbon. I am breaking out. Nice. 12-year-old Papi Van Winkle. Ooh. So I'm going to pour myself a Bourbon. I thought of all the different things I could do, whether to promote a local brewery or some wine I liked. <laughs> Matthew gonna... looks like he's fallen in love. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to go with some Papi Van Winkle with you tonight. Yes. Wow! Yum, yum, well, yum, you picked yum. some good songs. Like I couldn't really like, you know, be going yeah. with the, John, the Johnny Walker Red or anything like yeah, that. Holy <laughs> shit! Um, we got the Titans on deck today. We didn't pick him. Titans the fucking terrible machine did that. The uh, terrible machine this, picked him. This is a this good. is a tough one. This, this is, is some. This is a really really good songs. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, need a double sounds, pour probably, and, and I'm with you. I've got uh, I've got some single malt whiskey here today. Not bourbon for me today, but close. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna probably knock this back real quick so I can be nice and juiced to talk about these songs. Um, juiced, Matthew. How about you? No, no, Michelle. We always go. Oh yeah, I, I'm sad to say I don't have any Guinness tonight. I'm, I'm, so I'm, already I'm really upset about, about it. it. So I had to read the fridge upstairs and I just grabbed some local Colchin Premium Lager that I'm gonna drink out of my genius cup. Excellent. At least it's me? in a Guinness glass. Guinness is still it's being a, represented it's in somehow. It's in a Guinness glass. So here there I go. go. Oh, I, excellent. It's not really exciting to listen to no not really i'll i just no, you know this is just I'll a regular be beer holy shit my microphone's all the way on the other side of the room I, I didn't even move it over oh that sounds better look at that Does now it? i can hear okay. you well, that's way i'm better. sorry that's why it don't sound all tinny oh man okay well yeah it was over on the other side of the room all right okay. maddie you what you got for us so uh, i went out earlier in the week to to get some beer for the podcast and then um uh our friend of the show and uh, friend in real life uh, byron slack uh, came by for, for, for yard beers with me and we drank those beers and i went back to the place where i had got those beers and i, I really liked that beer uh it is a smoked lager from lupolo brewing uh but they didn't have it Ooh. at the place so i got this one purely Damn. by i mean it's a, a, a beer type that i like quite a bit it's a schwarz beer uh from mountain view brewing hope bc which is actually where uh byron and uh his brother adam lived and partially grew up uh it is kind of a no means no name though the dark side of town 
Oh, <laughs> nice. There it is. Oh, nice. Ooh, purple. Nice. Look at the eyeballs. It's purple oh, yeah, eyeballs. Picking up that. That's pretty With cool. With a goddamn black label. That's cool. Excellent. Googly eyes. That's a good one. The dark side. Yeah, that that smoke. Talking about smoked beer makes me think that's oh. what John was pouring us around the fire. Oh, that's so good. His punk rock. God damn. His punk rock. He, yeah, that fuck. man makes some damn good beer. I I, good I, beer. Was, I couldn't good believe beer. it. He poured us so fucking much of it. Would not stop. Um, Even when asked politely, uh, you know, not actually meaning that we didn't want him to keep pouring. But um, it's such good beer that uh, I was tired the next morning because we're up until like three in the morning, but uh, not hung over, surprisingly. So I think that's I I should have been dead. I should have been (laughs) dead with the amount of liquor I drank that night. I should have been dead. I didn't have a trace of hangover. I still, it's still like witchcraft. It was Wendy's Wendy's, uh, food too. I should still be hungover. And uh, John was such a good host <laughs> that um, Jordan brought him this amazing bottle of bourbon up from uh, from California. Oh, God. And um, John, uh, I think he regretted it a little bit because he wanted to spend some time with that bottle, but he brought it out and then shared it with us. <laughs> so we got <laughs> we to make sure we try and get him another one somehow. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm on deck, ready to do it. All right. So awesome. holy shit, everybody. We'll, we'll get to our songs. I mean, fucking hell. I mean, it's going to be like this in round two a lot because, you know, all the songs are the best songs, but now all the bestest, bestest songs are through and fuck every matchup. The terrible machine has done quite a job tonight in giving us uh, uh, quite a challenge. So our first round and, and tonight we're going to go, uh, I'll start off and then Andy will pass the baton to you and then over to Michelle and then over to Matthew for this first yeah. round. And just, just a reminder, everybody, we're kind of, uh, you probably know by now how this goes, but for those at home uh, who don't remember, we're, we're, you know, trying to mix it up a little bit for round two. We're going to compare and compass, compass, Jesus Christ, contrast these songs <laughs> Um, instead of just going song by song by song. So we're going to take these first two, kind of compare and contrast them, talk about their lyrics a bit, the performance of them, uh, you know, our personal favorite parts of it, things that bug us, whatever, if mm. such a thing could exist, which mm. it mm. wouldn't be to the Brad if that were to come around. You know, I'd have something to say. And second topic <laughs> round, we'll go back up to the top and we'll talk about how representative this song is of, or these songs are of No Means No as a whole, what place it occupies in the oeuvre of No Means No, and a question I really love, which is whether we introduce these songs to a newbie of No Means No. So we're going to get started with our first set of luchadores. Um, oh, wait, before we do that, actually, uh, I'm realizing just because I'm so fucking out of practice and certainly out of practice having a guest. I don't want to dive right into the songs yet, man. Like we've we've we're, we've done that a bazillion times. We've got Andy on the podcast mm. and Andy has some history with this band, too. He's not just some fucking schmo from. Uh, uh, England come Florida. So Andy, you know, tell us a little bit about your origin story with this band and like, uh, you know, what they mean to you and, you know, what's going on with you and this band No Meets No? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's a good story. Um, I'm certainly, I count myself lucky, particularly having moved to the US in 2004 when the band were kind of slowing down a lot and their output was slowing down, their touring was slowing down. So I got to see them like maybe 20, 25 times over in Jesus Europe. Um, starting in like 91. Um, it was like, yeah, I saw them with Andy, Michelle. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that to you before. Have you ever uh, mentioned that? Jesus fucking Christ. I, I mean, I may have mentioned Ooh. it once in passing, but, uh, you know, I certainly don't make a point of it. Um, <laughs> but they were, so, right. so the, the, the sad thing is, is I actually, I should have been able to see them on the wrong tour. So I, so my background is like, nowadays I'm this, um, I live in Florida. I come from the, um, the East coast of England, from Lincolnshire in England, middle of nowhere. 
Um, but I was lucky to grow up with an absolutely ridiculous DIY punk scene that me and all my school friends created mm. that became enviable. Like mm. it was, bands would, would write to us. I actually, a couple of years ago, um, one of the people involved in it posted they'd found the letter from Ian Mackay oh, on the first Fugazi no tour. Shit. Was uh, like discussing whether he was going to come and play a room above a pub in rural Lincolnshire, England <laughs> on the first Fugazi tour. Because awesome. we'd heard so many things about what we were doing. So That's I'd started great. playing bass in like 87 as um because my brother was playing guitar and my my parents thought let's not make it a um competitive thing if we buy him a guitar they're going to be competitive let him have the bass he's the, <laughs> let the young one have the bass and the old one can have the guitar so i started playing bass and i'd really really like at that point school meant nothing to me i started playing in bands <laughs> and then like a year later all i was into was punk music and like we were listening to descendants and all and minutemen and firehose and huskadoo everything but I'd learned to play with, like, my uncle was a session musician in uh, the swinging 60s. My uncle played with Hendrix. No he played with, played with Pink what Floyd. Played with all, he, like, played that the legendary um, uh, tour where The Move, Jimi Hendrix, Pink Floyd all played together. Um, and he, wow. he was who taught me. So he taught me really good fundamental bass playing. Wow. So we'd all been playing in bands. We'd been messing around with stuff. But then every time anyone of my friends who were like Discord kids or Sub Pop kids, they came across a band that was like, oh, they actually sound like they practice. They would put it on a tape and hand it off to me. So in 1990, one of these was a copy of Wrong. And it was me and, and the drummer in my old band. Um, yeah. It was, what you, happened? you guys need to listen to this. This is yeah, your yeah. kind of music. We, this is way beyond what we're listening to. <laughs> And the funny thing is, the bands they handed me were um, No Means No, Victims Family, and Cardiacs. Oh, They've all been like the centre of everything yeah. that I've ever, uh, musically. And this is all in 1990. And so, it still um, is. White, yeah. Red, Blues, Things I Hate mm -hmm. to Admit, Wrong, and On Land and in the Sea by Cardiacs. Jesus Christ. Wow. So I just like literally, I, I literally just, and, and Cardiacs were the one that took me the longest to get into. And victims' family were always a bit weirder, but no means no. I literally, from that day, I just retreated to my bedroom in my parents' house and eight, nine, ten hours a day just played along to wrong on bass, um, <laughs> just playing, learning everything on it. Um, and then I got a copy of Sex Mad. The first CD I ever bought was Sex Mad. Um, then I got The Day Everything Became Nothing, uh, The Day Everything Became Isolated and Destroyed. Um, and I just learnt and learnt and learnt every no, every no means no song I could possibly learn on bass. Mm. Um, and they just became an obsession. And, and it became, around the, that time, I got into Cardiacs at the same time. And they, they kind of became the yin and yang of my musical um, interest. That um, yeah, yeah. one was like not, was they were both so out there, but one fed my hardcore punk love and one fed my intricate weird music love that i got from electronic music which one was which so i just got the chance to, <laughs> to go see no means no so many times and that that I, I i've chatted with andy about it and like i told him what my memory of my first no means no show is and there are videos of it out on youtube which is the mean fiddler songs someone somewhere has to have that whole video of playing in the mean fiddler in halston in london 
I am convinced they played for three and a half hours. Wow. Like, and I they did four encores. And when I ran it past Andy, his memory was, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> like they they Jesus. just came back and back and back and they played everything. Fucking um, hell. And the and the 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 funny story is that they were so I so I knew one of the support bands, the band Fudge Tunnel from Nottingham. We had played with a bunch Fudge of times. Tunnel. And they were always put out there as the, the British no means no, because they were a three piece that were very oh, bass heavy. They were very much heavier. I mean, Alex Newport ended up doing stuff with Slayer and things, their guitarists. Ah. But they were three-piece that were rhythm-heavy, bass-heavy, um, and they were they were supporting No Means No. So they actually played... Functional had a song that was written about a show we played with them back in our hometown, and they dedicated it to me and the drum, my, my band's drummer, who were there. How about that? So cool. But I just remember if I may indulge myself a little bit, bit with this story. And Michelle knows this very, very well because we've chatted about it all the time. And Jason knows this very well. No means no's deliberate avoidance of promotion and media drives me insane. <laughs> to the point I scream about it all. You even saw the post on your Facebook page this week. Why didn't they tell the press Andy had left? And two right. years later, a review comes out that says Andy's playing guitar on it. Um, right, right, right. So it was. So I knew we knew nothing about them other than, oh, the bass player's really old. So <laughs> me and Adam, bless his heart, who's, who's sadly no longer with us, we were stood over by the side. We'd watched Fudge Channel play. They played this amazing set. They dedicated a song to me and Adam. Um, and then we were watching the the stage being set, and the drum kit is over on the side, which we'd yeah. heard about. And this old guy comes shambling on in slip on shoes and sweatpants. <laughs> And a t-shirt, and me and Adam are like nudging each other, going, "Hey, that's the bass player." But that's the bass player because it's this oh, old grey head guy in sweatpants comes on. <laughs> the sweatpants, and it, yeah, and he just is like setting his bass rig up and playing oh. like anyone would do. God, and then like they they kind of like shamble around and set the stuff up, but all the time the PA is playing music, is playing the um, just playing regular music for it, and then these guys walk out. And it's obviously John, I don't realise now, with his dark hair as he had at the time. And yeah, Andy, yeah. who we, we had no idea what Andy looked like. I'd literally only ever seen him wearing a cow's head. Right. So I had no idea what his actual face looked like. Um, and then the guy in the sweatpants and the slip-on shoes and the grey hair comes walking out and picks up oh his face. Oh, my bass, God. And they start... Um, and he blows just your like, fucking mind. Well, this is Well, this is the weird thing, is... The PA is still playing background music, <laughs> waiting for them to come on. And they're all stood on stage, not knowing what to do. Oh, no. And the song that comes on next is Wipeout by the Safaris. So John starts playing along to it. I only realise now, oh, thanks to YouTube, that like infamous scientists used to play it. It's, there's some infamous scientist live oh, shows shit. that show, have them playing it. So John starts playing no along to shit. it, and then Rob starts playing, and no one is turning it down in the in the audience. Oh, that's fucking hilarious! And, and so John and Rob are playing Wipeout by the Safaris, the the most no means no version of it you can imagine. <laughs> and and every time there's the drum fill, John is just going apeshit playing fills yeah. to it, and then they turn the volume down on the PA, and Andy joins in, and Andy <laughs> does Andy. 
and it just becomes this wave of noise comes out. Oh, oh my Jesus. God. And the denouement to the story that makes it so funny is they played this amazing cover of Wipeout. The <laughs> joke between me and Adam, because we had these three albums we'd been learning, and the one song we were convinced you couldn't play live was Obsessed. Uh-huh. It was like, Obsessed is like just so out there. How can you play this song? Exactly. They yep, play, yep. They play Wipeout. They're laughing to themselves. Rob walks up to the microphone and says, Hi, we're No Means No from Canada. This is Obsessed. And they kick into Obsessed. And me and Adam are just screaming in each other's faces. And like that was, to this day, the greatest show I've ever seen was that one No Means No show with Andy, where they played for three and a half hours. And I followed them, and I was blessed with living in the middle of the country. That when they came right. over, I could drive down to London. I could drive up to the northeast, the northwest, right, right. stay mm. in the Midlands. So I would see them three or four times every tour. Oh, and then amazing. slowly, just as it went on, I got to kind of like meet them a few times and chat with them. And it turned out I knew a ton of their um, their. Uh, we had loads of mutual friends from my days wow. playing in bands back in yeah. the, in the late eighties, early nineties. And it's just been. They've just been my life. They've just been like one of my cornerstones that I judge music by ever since. Oh, honey, that's listen amazing. to you. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. amen, brother. Jesus. What a great fucking story, man. Ah, God, I wish that absolutely. was on tape. Seeing them busted, fucking wipe out from the PA system. Fucking absolutely Maybe that dude's epic. got it, that guy. Well, there's someone put, there's it. like four or five songs from that night yeah. are on there. That? And like, Release and, and, the tape. This will come out with one of our early songs. There is a story around it. But, like, there's a video of them playing Oh Canada. Because they literally had to play every song they knew. Because it was so So they so were just, early, like, yeah. two yeah. of the... Two of the... <laughs> okay. The encores were just cover versions. Well, like, I'm sure they did one that was just Ramon songs. Because they had wow. nothing else to play. How about that? <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. And unsurprising. Jesus Christ. Well, is that when they were doing the Joy? They did Joy Division covers and yeah. the fucking yeah, 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 yeah. They were just everything, and they just yeah. were. They were like their main set must have been two and a bit hours, Jesus. and they just How kept exhausting. coming back on because oh, no was... one wanted them to leave. And like, right. I remember that I got home at like five o'clock in the morning. It was like a two and a half hour drive, and I left the venue at like one thirty. Had to take the tube all the way across London back to my car to get to the north of London. And got home like five o'clock in the morning. And you're still wide awake, weren't you? Uh, I had to go in for do one of my exams the next morning. Oh, oh, nice. oh, shit. Well, what you didn't know, Andy, is that if you'd looked behind your left shoulder towards the back of the venue, I was fucking standing there. But it was the me from 30 years from now when they invented time travel. And I went back to watch that fucking show. So yeah, me, just me heads too. up. Heads up. Yeah. I'm going to see that someday. Or I already God have. God damn. God damn it. Shit. All right. Well, on that very uh, impressive uh, note, now that you have absolutely laid out your bona fides, as it were, let's talk about two absolutely luchadore worthy fucking wrestler Titanic kaiju yeah. songs. This fucking, this fucking... <laughs> Ooh, this sucks. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. All right. So we are going to pit now, oh. which is off of zero plus two equals one from 1991. And it, uh, for those keeping track, one over the future is the past from episode 25. And it is going up against Beauty and the Beast off of Small Parts 1987. And it won over Sitting on Top of the World, 
episode five. So before we start talking about these two bad boys together, let's uh, hear a little mashup of these monster mashes. Now if I had the courage, I'd pour into your jar All the things that I have heard you whisper in the dark And when that jar was heavy with your honeyed confidence I'd put it to my lips and drink its meaning and its sense Its meaning and its sense It has no end, so let's pretend it's now Let's get started now Let's get started start by saying looking at what they won against i think both of these songs could have won against a bunch of songs like these are mm-hmm. these are top shelf but they both yeah, got yeah. they both got pretty easy pulls i have to say yeah, like they certainly did that was yeah heavy, yeah, heavy so, weight versus I mean, weight kind of thing that's right made it easy made it easy yeah. for us but Future, uh it doesn't mean weight class <laughs> yeah, come on that's cool no, i mean it's great it's <laughs> great it was cool fun to talk <laughs> about it was cool to dive into a song most people don't even fucking know exists but uh but they're, they're both kaiju uh, anyway they could have you know they could have made life harder for a couple other songs but they decided mm-hmm. to they knew they were getting into the next round so they decided to, to take it easy on us um unlike one of the ones from the next round which we won't talk about yet so i'm gonna compare and contrast these songs i mean very different it's all andy era as a matter of fact this entire episode is going to be all andy era which is very interesting frankly um but off yeah off of two very different albums i mean first of all now i've really been thinking a lot about uh thinking about this song uh, this time around what an amazing opener it is and how fucking what a baller move to open with this after it's catching up on wrong two 
absolutely different ways to open up an album that immediately, if you had just gotten into No Means No From Wrong and you pick up Zero Plus Two, right, as their next release, it'd be like, wait, I mean, I know this. This is how it happened for me. I started on Wrong and then I, uh, Zero Plus Two is the first one I got to pick up as it came out. And I was just fucking blown away because of how unique it was, how different it was. And of course, just how fucking amazing it is. And also not, I mean, Andy's kind of pyrotechnic on it. The, 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 uh, drumming is absolutely layered, nuanced and, and amazing. And the bass playing is simple as fuck. This is probably the easiest no means no baseline to, to learn. Boom, 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 boom. I'm not saying it's not, I mean, he nails it, he nails it, but it's not, it's not like it's catching up or something. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> it's it's just kind of wild for a song that's for a band that's so bass heavy to start off with a song that really is not highlighting the bass in any significant way now is one of my favorite no means no songs i i, mean, I don't know where it sits in my pantheon I've, we've tried before like oh this sometimes it's number three number that's all bullshit Who the fuck yeah, knows? Yeah, yeah. other than <laughs> the one i know on is the number day. one for me but yeah but i do think this i mean i think in a lot of ways this album put pits Robbie at the top of his lyrics game in many ways. And this song in particular is just, it's astounding. It's the best song about the subjective experience and mystery of time as it relates to human consciousness that you could ever, ever wish to have. I just, I never tire of listening to this song. And I'm someone who's obsessed with time. I always have been in a, from a philosophical sense, from just a being stoned in your dorm room sort of sense. And from a very, deep thinking sort of like I have spent a lot of time thinking about it. And this song really nails how absolutely uncanny our human experience of time is the lines where he talks about, you know, there could be no mystery of um, what is yet to come and how the past is something that, well, I mean, I'll just pull up the goddamn lyrics. So instead of being an idiot about it, uh, nothing could be plainer than the things that have been done, and there could be no mystery of what is yet to come, right? We as humans are cursed to live, always uh, const uh, having this constructed past and imagining the future, whereas the only thing we're actually experiencing, this actual moment, is completely ephemeral, and there's absolutely no way to inhabit it. There's absolutely no way to actually understand it, yet it's all we have. And that, if that's not one of the most outstanding conundrums of being a human being. I don't know what, what is. And, and mm. he nails it talking about how it's now that howls at nothing. It's now that runs and hides. It's now that winds its spineless coils and slithers out of sight. That is so fucking spot on. What a beautiful way to talk about the absolute impossibility of understanding the moment and how as humans, I, I mean, I think this, this, the, the first stanza is so gorgeous about how, we take in all of these things that people say to us in the moment and then we build the story out of them. We build this huge, we build this, this kind of uh, a fortress inside this, these poems, this, this, this sort of ephemera inside of us about what that means. And here's this person kind of, kind of wistfully talking about how they want to just gather up everything that's been said by this person and then drink it all at once, which is kind of what we do, right? We, we rarely, actually experience what someone's saying to us in the moment we often bank it away for later and that's kind of how we experience life we experience the 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 preponderance of what's gone before us and not what's actually happening and this is such a bittersweet sort of ode 
to that experience of being uh being a human being it's just it's fucking fucking poetry of the highest order um and i love the i think little joke in this song about you know it has no end so let's pretend it's now and then they give you that false ending making you think oh the song's over and then it's not because it has no end and so they kick it into gear again and now the song just keeps fucking playing and it strikes me as one of the you know it's a very no means no thing to do you include the joke in the structure of the song or not joke but you know the the meaning of the song into the structure of the song it's just it's it's fucking great and andy's guitar in this is unbelievable unbelievable (laughs) the drumming is unbelievable i love how andy starts uh the starts us off with the singing and then rob comes in it's such a great yes um, and the the harmony between them is fucking gorgeous the the performance in this is just vocally on andy's and rob's part is phenomenal it never ever ever fails to get me going yeah and yeah i think it's it's like this rockabilly fucking masterpiece. And here it is up against Beauty and the Beast, which is could not be more different. <laughs> it's a, I don't know how you, I mean, it's just like many of the things on small parts. You can't categorize Beauty and the Beast. This song is just, it's its own fucking thing. And it is also a absolutely brilliant song that also deals with perception, much like now does or the perception of time. You've got Beauty and the Beast of the, perception of beauty and how it impacts the, our sort of primal id, right? Like it brings up this feeling of being the beast, this this kind of primal dark sexuality that comes up in response to the images Whoa. that we see. And it puts it right at the eye, a really that hit me this time about how the eye is that window of perception. It's our, it's the symbol, but also the physical place where external reality meets internal reality. So it's where that sense of exterior beauty meets that interior impulse of lust and, and carnality. And it all happens in the eye and the way that they play with lyrics, um, uh, where beauty lies and then behold the eyes of the beast. They never say beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but they give you that, Right. Old truism yes. by mixing up the yep. two truisms together and, and delivering it up in different ways. I mean, it's just fucking gorgeous. Clever. And yep. It's clever. And but more than clever too, right? Like it's not just clever for clever's sake. It's just it's just fucking these guys, man. These fucking guys. <laughs> yeah. And I really I do appreciate how they they you know, this is not a song about objectifying women. This is a song about the very nature of the fact that things are objectified because of how we perceive, because of how we're built, because of how the world is structured. This is what I love about this band. They go deeper than just, oh, don't objectify women. They're like, no, our experience is such that the nature of reality and our being and existence in it is that when you perceive something, you're going to objectify it because of the very nature of how the exterior world meets the interior world, at least on a certain sense. And they do it while fucking totally goofing off and having Andy beauty walks and beauty talk, you know, like giving that fucking, but that's, that's probably one of my favorite parts of the song because they flip from that goofy ass, brilliant part to so dark and hot dark. And it's just this (laughs) turnaround that is fucking just gets in my guts. And I've always liked this song, but like many, many no means no songs. I don't know that I appreciated it enough or appreciated as much as I should have. 
now I absolutely fucking adore this song. You'd ask me 10 years ago, oh, what would you think is better, Now or Beauty and the Beast? Now, 100%. No, no question. What are you talking about? What the fuck? Now, when I'm sitting here listening to it, I'm like, oh, fucking, I don't know, man. Oh, both these songs are fucking great. And the production on Beauty and the Beast... Oh, some yeah. people, I've, heard, I've seen some people. I don't know who I love it was. It. Maybe it was Chuck, and I just wanted to go like, "What the fuck are you talking about, Chuck?" But you know, he's my he's my whipping boy fuck, here. Chuck? Was like, "Hey, fuck. remove if it'd be a perfect album if you remove some of those '80s sound effects." I don't know what he's talking about, but in this song, the layered weird effects they do, where they like yeah. Andy's voice goes up into that super high bit squeal, yeah, and they've got yeah, the yeah. in the background <laughs> and shit. It's just. <laughs> That layeredness yeah. adds in so much character and totally. so much flavor uh, totally and texture that I would not want to yeah. lose fucking any of it. And this right. is a really good example of that uh, and how it serves the song. I don't think it overshadows it. It doesn't overtake it. It all serves what they're trying to do with it, both musically and lyrically and musically on this. I mean, Beauty and the Beast is just fucking incredible. Get those out. dueling arc, those the descending and, and, and boom, ascending baby, baby, archipelago. Boom, boom, yeah, boom, it's, boom, boom. It's fucking, it's, uh, they're not archipelago, sorry. They're chromatic scales. You know what I'm saying. The music, the music nerd. Um, the, you know, when the, one, the way, when, when the one goes down and the other goes up. And the one um, goes up. Ar- archipelago. That's archipelago. There's something that's a No, arpeggio. That's what I said, arpeggio. Fuck you. No, you um, said archipelago or no, I didn't. whatever Florida is. All right, fuck yeah. you. Um, and oh, so... Man. It's it's an absolutely absolutely musically brilliant song. It's a lyrically brilliant song, and it's going up another. Uh, I mean, actually, I think the music. No, I don't know, man. Fucking, I don't know. I'm no, we're not voting now. But Jesus Christ, these both yeah. are masterpieces. They're both yep. just fucking masterpieces. So anyway, I'll stop there because I'm starting to get into my second part of the topic, and we're gonna let somebody who've not heard before yet on this song opine about it a little bit or these songs. So Andy, what do you think of these two beasts? Well, I'm going to link arms with Stranger here. Um, it's an ascending scale versus a is, descending yes. scale. Yeah. And they both end up in the same places. Yeah. So, um, but I won't yeah. get on to Beauty and the Beast, but I'm also going to I'm going to use the word intervals a lot on Beauty and the Beast in the intro because there oh, are baby. some really weird intervals going on there. Oh, baby. Um, oh, yeah. Me and Stranger, we, got, we, yeah. we speak the same language here. Go off. Uh, <laughs> um now, so now is an interesting one. Is that it, I, I kind of my story of how I got into the how I started seeing the band live and everything. Now is a big part of that because mm. that was the only show I ever saw of them where I hadn't heard the new songs they were playing. Oh, and again, all the way back to their we don't bother publicizing what we're doing, even back on AT. Um, <laughs> so when I went to see them play, they were touring zero plus two. But all I'd heard was wrong, uh, small parts, sex mad. I hadn't even heard Maybe. Mama. Yeah, the only not. time I'd heard Mama was um, the um, live in Warsaw bootleg mm. that was I'd bought on cassette from Selected District yep. Nottingham. Oh, like man. I'd had that and it had no sex on it. Um, because even Live and Cuddly was out and didn't have any of the Mama songs on. Yeah, no. They were all those three albums. Oh, this is fascinating. Listen so, to this. So when I saw them play that show in London, everything from Zero Plus Two was brand new. Like, you had no okay. idea what it was. And now was, like, just such a standout track, because they just, it stopped everything. 
and mm. and just that intro of Andy playing on his own, yeah, and just yeah. playing that cowboy chord A, <laughs> and just like like with no with his volume turned down to turn the distortion down because the only way Andy gets distortion on his amp is to have that thing on full. <laughs> it was like unreal the way they played it, and then having the stop in the middle of it, and and my story is is literally. I got home at five o'clock in the morning. I slept through to like noon, uh, went to school, did my exams. And I literally that day went to the guitar store in my hometown and tried to buy a Telecaster. Because <laughs> that's what Andy had been playing. And I was like, I took all my guitars in to trade in to buy a Telecaster. Oh, because I God. wanted to play a Telecaster because that sound he had that night was so absolutely amazing. Oh, um, cool. But like I, so as I told you before, in the prep for this, I've made notes and I'm looking at my notes on the side of my screen here. Um, this can only be an opening track on an album. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've got a note here that like they never, every album has an amazing opening track. Like the, yep. the song on that album that opens is the one that should open. But every other album, that opener could be moved later in the set when they play live. But now could only ever sit as the opening track. It just doesn't work in the middle of a set the way it does, right. the way the other ones do. Because like exactly when you take yep, um, yep. the day everything becomes nothing, um, it's catching up. Sex mad as we're going to talk about. They could all move later in the in the set and and fit, but now doesn't work absolutely anywhere else with yeah. that. But the other statement it made to me, like having listened to the, the previous three Andy era albums, is when I find, like, I, so I bought the CD at the show, but I didn't have a CD player in my car at that point. I had a cassette player. Oh, so yeah. that's why I'd like all their early stuff I'd bought on cassette so I could listen to it on my drive home from the, sh- from the store. So I had to wait till the next day to listen to it on CD. Um, and my note I've made for this is this is the product. This album, but this song in particular, is the product of how hard they toured wrong. Mm-hmm. They had just gone next level in terms of professionalism, in terms of right. understanding composition, understanding recording. This is like just so far advanced from what wrong was that they have they've thought about um, how many guitar tracks. They've thought about the composition of the song. They've thought about where the backing vocals go they thought about Mm. how the harmonies Mm -hmm. work absolutely everything on this song is like a level of professionalism versus like they were a punk band that were rocking out and they were trying to recreate what they did live on all their earlier albums and zero plus two is the one where it's like actually you make an album differently to you create a song to play live right and what's really interesting is is that what broke andy because he was all about the live show and he was he was in that band when they were recreating their live shows on record but when they went to that actually we're now a studio band oh right i'm like like, think like beatles the beatles had their live era and their recording era this is that threshold this is this is zero plus two is no means no sergeant pepper oh because it's where they suddenly start thinking about what can we what can we create Holy in the shit. studio and layer and co- and compose and add right. things in a way that like we can't necessarily do this live mm. but we can do it in a studio 
like double tracking the drums yeah. in Joyful Reunion. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's like exactly like Joyful Reunion is a, is such a good example of that. But also the sequencing is they're playing with different textures and they're playing with different feels that don't yeah, make yeah, sense yeah. if all you're if you're just writing songs to play live, you wouldn't write ghosts, right? Mm. You know, you wouldn't write some of these songs, and I and I will get into this a little bit more on Zero Plus Two, but um, they are they are their head is in a different place when they record this album, and it's interesting that that's the point this version of the band breaks. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So. Oh, I, I, that's an interesting point. And the, and the and the funny thing is, is like the other note I've got is this is probably their most um, basic song. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. like it's just a shuffle beat yeah, and, yeah. A, and a p- clunky yeah. bass line, and Andy is just playing. I mean, it's, it can only be Andy playing it because exactly. it's just his. He has he has a thing. If you really listen deep, and it's funny, I'm, I'm, it's fun that I'm going against Jordan because Jordan is the lyrics guy, and I'm going to be the technique and guitar and sound guy in this. Yeah. Just from my background in bands of being a composer but who always is interested in texture of songs. But it's such a, such a simple song. It's interesting you talk about Andy's guitar. I would love to know, and then maybe this is for a future Andy's corrections. <laughs> who played the guitar solo on this? Because I know Rob played a lot of guitar solos on Zero Plus Two. Because oh. I've had a discussion. I threw something at Andy once in a private message, in a DM about the fact that um, this is, I doubt this is in Jason's book, so I feel safe saying it, that the guitar solo in Every Day I Start to Ooze is the riff and the main guitar line from um, Be Stiff by Devo. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. If you can play hmm. either oh of God. those two, you can play the other one. How about and that? I, and, I, and I threw it to Andy of like, were you listening to Devo when you did this? And his response was, I have no idea because it was Rob that played solo on that. How so about the guitar- that? So, I, so this, like, it's it's that kind of discordant Andy guitar solo, but it's not quite as smooth as Andy would play. Andy plays them no- more noisy. Andy exactly. has loads of drone strings. He has loads yeah, yeah. of, like, double stops. Yeah. Whereas this is more jagged. So I wonder if it was Rob playing guitar, like, playing solo on this. Huh. And and But my point with that is... Huh. Um, if this didn't have such a discordant guitar solo, this would be the crossover song to end all crossover songs for them. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. This I'm could have talk totally about that. been yeah. a commercial hit. Oh, big time! Big it's time. just I, it's I a evidence. totally commercial song. I have evidence of that that I'll talk about next. But yeah, one hundred percent. Really? Oh, well, yeah. I've, I've got, got a point as well. I will leave it to the "Would you play people this song?" Yeah, exactly. I think it will come we'll up as well there. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. um, but like without that discordant guitar solo. This is, this could have been done not just by any punk, it probably wouldn't have been done by a punk band. It would have been done by like a regular alternative band. Yeah. Like this could have yeah. been an alt country song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This could have been Uncle Tupelo played it. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who that is, no. but that's funny. Uncle Tupelo? You need to listen to Uncle Tupelo. Uh, if, no, oh, okay. if, if No Means No is um, people who are into jazz playing punk, Uncle Tupelo are people who are into old country playing punk. Sweet. Whoa, okay. I got yeah. some yeah. homework. Christ. There you go. So, so they're, they're my notes on now. Beauty and the Beast. Um, I, my initial note was this is them at their funkiest. But then I realized, so I did, so 
I did something to really take this this seriously. What we're doing tonight, uh, I actually listened to thank the you. songs in headphones, which is the way oh, I never do much. it. I listen to them in my car. I listen to them generally. Ninety nine percent of it is I'm playing along to them on my my digital rig for my guitars and everything. Uh, I listen to them on my headphones to really get deep into it. And I wanted to say this is no means no at the funkiest. It's actually them at the dubbiest. Uh, oh, this yeah. is dub. Uh oh. Uh oh. There is there is Matthew? there is so much echo and delay on the vocals on the drums. There is there is delay everywhere on this song in a way that is totally out of dub. Um, and then I, I I know you like your um, off mic comments and weirdness in the background. This has yeah. more than probably every other no means so no means no song combined. Oh, it's wild. There is yeah. so much talking, oh, yeah, weirdness, yeah. comments. Mm -hmm. the, and, and I know you love a good what in a No Means No song. You like a what when it introduces Oh No Bruno, even though you, you, you all detest that song. Um, oh, we don't no, detest no, it. I don't Stop know. it. I don't know. God damn I don't it. detest it at He's all. He's kidding, everybody. He's kidding. Keep your comments to yourself. I, I, I am convinced that this podcast... The day you have to finish is when we all walk away as listeners because you put Ono Bruno up against the future as a past and you make an <laughs> argument that like, well, it's the only time they played ukulele on an arena. It's got to go through. Like, it's, the, it's the Irish Western oh, well. Canadian vaudeville tradition. You're going to stick that one through. That's got to happen. You wow, actually, sorry. There is no, no, means no song you will not put against Ono Bruno and, and vote against Ono Bruno. False. I'm, False. I'm False. Uh, there's there's <laughs> one. I love that song. Cal there is one. There's at least there's one. one. There's at least one. Calumny. It's a great but, song. But um, again, to your, to your point, Jordan, like, like this is a. Even though it's a weird song, the sound of it and Andy's guitar. I've got I've got here Andy hair metal guitar god down as one of my notes. <laughs> yeah. Because this has that chorusy sound. As long as as well as all the delay, it's got a load of chorus on it. And when Andy plays his solo stabs in there, they're straight out of like hair metal, straight out of commercial music. It's There's so nothing great. punk or alternative. And nothing no means no about those solos he plays in this. There's, there's little riffs he's playing and the little oh bits he's God. playing here and there. Um, and this is also, to get to the intervals thing I, I, I preambled about, um, Andy is playing, Andy is the root of this song. Andy's playing mm. all the root mm -hmm. notes. Mm -hmm. Rob is messing around with weird intervals and playing like thirds and fifths and sevenths. When you listen, to, when you listen oh, to baby, it, you're speaking my language, baby. baby. But listen, but listen to it on headphones. On the record, there's a couple of intervals he hits don't sound right. Like it sounds like he's gone to like seconds. No, he's gone to, he's gone to like flattened thirds and weird stuff like that. There's a couple when you listen to it that then when you listen to them like the live videos on YouTube, he's nailed them and he's got. He goes from thirds to fifth to sevenths to make it sound normal. Yeah, seventh chord. But there's some weird intervals he plays on the record that just, to my ears, sound just don't get right. Oh, that he didn't huh. get. Are you um, saying they uh, made a mistake? Because that's not that's not no. possible. So I will I'm get just to, kidding. This will come on in in the next song we talk about. I think they committed songs to record slightly early quite right. often during this era. 
Oh yeah, I Rob's talking about that with us, right? They put stuff. There's stuff where they where you listen to live recordings from a couple of years later. The songs are so better. Yeah, and they've figured out cooler bits, and they've figured out more interesting bits, and they've figured out mm. where they want to hit. Mm. Um, and this is one of them. I think Rob figured out what sounded good mm. um, after they played it live a few times, and I think the record is an experiment with that. I think he just like, again listen to it with headphones, and you'll hear him hit some notes that don't quite go with the route that Andy is playing. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. Interesting. So, and my, and my last comments I've got are about John because this is well. Um, let's hear it. So, 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 the the debate always and the and the the constant no means no forum debate since the beginning of time is is John <laughs> the best punk drummer? Well, I think he has comp- yeah, I think he has. Yes, I would I would say he's definitely in the conversation because I mean Bill Stevenson's not that bad. You know, he's a pretty good drummer himself. Mm-hmm. In terms of general drumming, there are some absolutely amazing drummers out there who are doing some cool stuff, who have different styles to do amazing things. But I want to end the conversation right now that John Wright is the greatest hi-hat player drumming has ever seen. What? More than Stuart Copeland, are you saying to me? John Wright is the greatest player of (gasps) hi-hats of any band I have ever heard. Of oh any any music ever, God, his hi hat playing, you know, I like my the hi-hat. way he uses them, <laughs> and the way, and like, even when you used to see him live, he has such big hi hats he plays mm-hmm. that he can open them and use them as crash cymbals. And like, listen right. to like, like like metronome. Metronome is a is a oh, Jesus. It's a class in how to play your hi hat and how changing how you play your hi hat changes the entire song. And, I, and it's, so I will talk a little bit about them when we get to another song. So I've made friends. So weirdly, my, my career is in museums and I run museums and I've been a museum curator and now I'm a museum director. And that put me in the world of the Smithsonian Jazz Masterworks Orchestra, who are members of the Duke Ellington Orchestra. Their drummer has played with Frank Zappa. Um, they are like the highest end jazz musicians you can possibly right, play. right, right. Whenever I've played them, no means no, which I have multiple times. Oh, good boy. All their drummer talks about is how is he playing those hi-hats? Oh, shit. <laughs> like, that's all he picks up is how is he playing those hi-hats? Like, John's, like John, you could literally, you could put a song and just have John playing hi-hats. And it would be... It would be the best song ever, yeah. Yeah, I must be missing something because I always associate John with the floor toms. No. Just as as, as Tom work. I am am so coming back to that. Oh, okay. In in a future song, yeah. No, no, Um, no, no, it's amazing. But the weird weird thing here is, again, like, so, so, yeah, I mean, like, you really, if you just isolate John's hi-hats, they are so next level and they are driving all the music of No Means No. Of what? Because Rob is occupying the place where the kick drum would be. Right, yes. And every now and again, Andy will take over from that and Andy's chords will replicate the kick drum. And Rob will go off playing up the dusty end of the neck on all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. But one of them is one of them is always holding down where the kick drum should be. Right. Oh my God. All of John's work is on the toms and the hi-hat. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the taunts, yeah. And, and that's, that's what my, I hear when I hear. My other point with this was like listening to it on the on headphones, uh, listening to it on my earbuds. Um, I picked up a drum line like in the last third of the song or the last quarter of the song that sounds like. So you've you've had this mentioned, and this will be a part of what I've written for Jason's book. Um, there needs to be a museum opened to uh, John Wright's rack top. Oh! Like, <laughs> John Wright's rack top. <laughs> Like if, if you've seen that stuff, people posting pictures. We, of, we like, saw it. We saw the rack, Tom. And touched did you want to clean it? Because I, I want to clean it. I, I, know, it. I don't. I just want no. To, no. I want to see it and clean it. No, it's, no. It's it's really dirty. And in fact, didn't he really, say he was really got dirty. the rims replaced and it was uh, it was like disintegrated from all of his yeah. sweat? Did you say flavor. that, Jordan? It's all flavor. It's all flavor. You can't ever dust it. I can't do it. Oh my god! No, no, don't. Still got um, the old All my guitars are so clean, and I no. have to clean them oh, out all the time. You would have fucking my, died uh, seeing how dirty his whole face was. My here clean my no. strings. No, and my neck fuck you. Nope. No, no, nope. we're talking but dirt if, here. But if No Means No had one object in um, the guy from No Effects' punk museum in Vegas, it should be um, John Wright's Racktop. Oh, Because totally. it, it is, like, unique in punk music. He had, like, three of them there. It sounds like he had eight. He had one he always played. Well, he had I don't one know that was fuck, always on the end because it was a totally different color to the rest of his kit. Oh my god! And and the color of his kit was dirt. Let's be honest. <laughs> exactly. Um, I know it was right, <laughs> but he had that one rack tom that he always played. But when you listen, so I was listening to this and I was trying to work out the timing of it. Is when you get into that the bit where Rob is playing the weird um, high bends. And oh it's yeah. Kind boom, of gone into that into boom, that like boom. tribal beat. Oh, I love it. Yes. But when you listen around that, there is like, so I remember it being called the Burundi beat. It was like what? Oh, Adam, for Adam, Adam and the, and the Ants and yeah, Bell yeah, Wow yeah. Wow and Malcolm mm-hmm. McLaren was doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the last third of that song, there is a track, I'm convinced there is a track that is just John on a second drum beat playing just his rack top or rack top, the set of rack tops. Oh, you mean layered? Yeah, it's like laying on top when you listen to it. And I, what I was trying to figure out yesterday is, is it just the way the drums are panned and he's just playing oh, across know. his toms mm. and, it's, and it's panning? But it really, really sounds to me like that's a song where they added John just going crazy on a rat tom, like tribal beat. Ah. To, to, to like layer that last part of the song. Huh, interesting. Oh, wow. I'd like wow. to know the answer to that. You need to go back to his pub. I need to go back to his drum set because uh, right. I got yeah. all verklempt when I saw it and I touched it. I'm here in my garage. I, 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 I touched it. Yeah, I did too. I have a sort of cleaner part for my you know, the audio equipment and uh, computer stuff. And I have you know dust control and I have kind of a wood shop over there. Um, John's shed. <laughs> <laughs> I, having now been in where he records uh, that, that's that album we recorded that album where his drums are, where all his music equipment are. Um, I'm pretty sure the outhouse is cleaner than that place. It is truly, oh, come on. truly. Oh, come on. No, I, 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 for I any cardiac fans out there, it's definitely a rotten shed. <laughs> yes. Oh, come on. But I remember that that night we well the nights we were in Brooklyn and New York where we were yes, Jordan, you were there. Yeah, yeah Jordan, right. you were there. Yep. But me and that's you, right. Strangey, we got to help him with loading and loadout and like set up. I don't remember that. I, I, oh. Well, you you were in the sound booth. Let's be honest. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Blair. I was I was on stage helping them like set the gear up and like putting it all out. Um, and like I, if I'd known what hand sanitizer was back then, I would. Oh <laughs> come on! Don't you dare! You lick those fingers and you. <sighs> Eat it. It was. It I was looking at it. No. I, I, I was from the whole school of like the coolest, no. cleanest gear. No. And Stop it. everything meticulous. And then I looked at their gear and it was like, I'm not sure I want to touch any of this. Oh, oh are you tears, man. Andy, it's come on, man. Salty. Save some that and sprinkle so it on. That's what John sprinkles on top of his, um, you know, top down fermentation in his carboy. Like, he gets <laughs> a little right. bit of drum, drum mung. That's and, what uh, the smoke <laughs> I guarantee if he scraped his, like, his toms, there would be yeast in there. He could <laughs> oh, create oh, alcohol. Oh, 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 no, definitely. Definitely. That's what punk rock beer is. I, exactly. That's do, why we do not touch John Wright's yeast. That's what he puts in his beer. <laughs> oh, boy. There's the there's God. the episode title right there. Lock it in. John Wright's yeast. John Wright's yeast. We found it. Yeah, we man. He's it. writing it Thank down. You. Jesus it. Christ. All right. Um, all right, Andy. You uh, no, got it. I, you you, know, okay. You, uh, any, anything go. more before we pass on to Strangey? <laughs> Jesus All right. Uh, the defense the defense rests. The defense oh, rests. No. <laughs> all right, Strange. Sorry, you gotta oh. I'm sorry that we brought someone on the podcast who's stealing all your <laughs> milkshake this time. What do you what do you got? Is Where's it my Gregson? turn? It's your turn. I can't Gregson is I'm sorry he hissed at you. Jo- Jordan came over and scared the yeah, cat. The fucking little cat just hissed me. He's like, Who the hell are you? Jesus I Christ. I love him anyway. All right. All right. So uh uh what do I start with now or Beauty and the Beast? Whatever. Just All right, I'm going to start with now. Now, you can't get any better than this song, really. The way this is crafted and how they slowly bring up the excitement. Uh, it starts out with an, ex- with an exceptional guitar part, and Andy starts the storytelling. The it has no end, so let's pretend it's now has an uh-oh kind of feeling. Like, that's a turn of... Turn of a feeling in the song where it's like, hey, this isn't happy-go-lucky here. To, 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 whoa, whoa some, something's kind of weird here. It has a kind of feeling where you can feel an inevitable explosion coming, and man, it does. As I've mentioned before, I love the emphasis on the one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four in this song in, dur- during the uh, chorus, how, how he just hits the, the, the first two, two beats of the measure on that. The, the song gallops. It, it, it's just a galloping song. The uh, shared vocals between Rob and Andy are a great uh, game of catch, and we're all here for it. The song makes you feel like a million dollars. The, I love the harmonies in this song. It just keeps so building and building and building like a balloon that's just getting bigger. And by the end, you're, you're singing along with it. The harmonies are so exciting. <laughs> Absolutely. And, 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 and they're saying the word now, and, and that's like a, a positive thing, like – it, it's it's just a wonderful, glorious song, and it it it's 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 a true gem. So, Beauty and the Beast, uh, let the funk fest begin. It's catchy, cool, and intriguing as hell. Just like now, this song totally grabs you instantly, slaps you in the face, and makes you sit up and straighten up in your chair. My favorite parts are the slight, as you were talking about, Jordan, the sound effects on the vocals, especially the high pitched one. And, on the word beautiful. I don't know whose vocal track that they did that to. I don't know if it was Andy's or John's, but it's somebody's. They just, that, that high pitched one is just outrageous. This is a great use of, of the, of, of a catchy repeating riff that Rob talked about when he was speaking with us, where it's impossible to tire of hearing it. Bonus cheese in this is the bass solo. I wrote bass solo in quotes 
while Andy kind of raps that it's so cheesy that while Andy kind of raps a bit the snarly guitar and the small solos he does are extraordinarily filled with snot the treat of all this is John and the iconic storm he's starting and it's stupefying to listen to both of these songs pitted against each other is blasphemy <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Fair enough. That's what Nicely I'm saying. Done. And I said it. Good yep. job, Strangest. Now, uh, Matthew, Thank what you. you got for us? Well, a lot of uh, a lot of what I was going to say has, has certainly been said. Um, you know, <laughs> sorry, ticking little ticking little boxes. No, no, no. It's cool. Um, yeah, this is a. It now is. It is a very songy song. It is. Uh, you know, yeah. it's it's a perfect yeah. like beginning. Um, it's the first song uh, anyone would have heard after Wrong. So it's interesting in that it is just so different um it is um you know yo ho ho positive we're a positive band <laughs> it is, it's the closest thing to the closest thing to a radio hit uh, i think that they might have ever recorded it is uh, yeah relatively simple um relatively repetitive um but you know it, they've just got some weird aspects to it like the way they restart it and the way that uh yeah yeah you know the 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 guitar as as you were saying andy is like couldn't couldn't be anyone else um there are things that would have prevented it from being sort of a, a major label hit on much music or whatever um but uh, certainly it's it's catchy it's singy it's got um great lyrics uh, the the content of the lyrics, of course, belie the the simplicity and the sort of uh, honky tonk aspect of uh, of the music. Um, I love the both of the. I mean, the songwriting is great. Um, it, oh man, they're certainly um, cooperating and kind of handing off things to each other. I like that uh, both um, Andy and Rob sing on it. Um, but yeah, the the bass is definitely not super important but i mean that's one of the things about no means no is that um they don't seem to have uh the kind of ego where everybody has a part sometimes if you know they need to fade into the background they fade into the background Mm -hmm. in some cases almost almost completely right um yep Yep. yeah so um it's a certainly a great andy song the drumming is is great great as ever um though you know, it's just the same thing. It's not. Uh, it's not going to knock anyone's socks off. I mean, it's great, but it's it's playable. You can imagine another band covering it with some success. Um, Beauty and the Beast is very different, <laughs> but I, <laughs> like Jordan was saying, I think it's one of those songs that um, kind of got lost among other songs in terms of just where it was in the song order. I mean, I did most of my listening to the album uh, on the, 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 the compilation CD with the, the EP and the LP combined. So it kind of, it's right before um, uh, Brother Rat. So, you know, it, Brother Rat is so, so iconic that it kind of, almost yeah. overshot. I was sort of waiting for that and not paying as much attention as I might have to Beauty and the Beast. Um, mm. I really like how it, it melds like an older and, and newer sounds. It's got sort of all of aspects of each of the albums uh, up to mm. it. Not that it, you know, it's pretty early in their uh, careers, but I mean, it's got the, the disco feel of Mama. Um, it's got the rock, rock epic uh, aspect of so much of what goes on on, on Sex Mad. And then the sort of almost... Um, ritualistic kind of ceremonial Ooh. aspect that is in um 
well, certainly small parts. And then it's, it's just a repeating theme. And all these things come back in No Means Snow. But I think this song really hybridizes everything they'd been doing to that point. Um, I, I really like the uh, the bossa nova part. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, Andy, you were saying it was uh, is He's dub, got and those yeah, I think you're. Too. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, in that, uh, I, I was trying to figure out what it was about it. I'm not uh, super well versed in, in music or terminology, musical terminology, but I almost said like it's almost a Latin flair. Like some of the some of the rhythms are certainly yeah. He's from using those sticks, Latin or those Caribbean two Latin sticks. Yeah, yeah. that He's is actually like rhythm sticks. But that's yeah. actually there's a, uh, there's a ton of delay on them. There's like echo on them. Yeah. So I go for like seven or eight repeats that fade yeah. out as he does it. And that is actually yeah. John Card. Uh, I never knew this before. Um, of Personality Crisis, uh, DOA, Subhumans, and SNFU. Uh, so he played uh, percussion on uh, oh, that oh, song wow. only, and only that no song. shit so wow, he was playing those amazing. probably and when you say percussion it's probably those sticks um those oh okay yeah i can't, for, I can't remember what they're called they're like six inches each and they give you that timbre that you have yeah yeah nice this song is totally mm-hmm. chock full of, of so much stuff that i love i mean andrew with the silly it was so much you know silly funny <laughs> stuff the exclamations weird sounds uh you know pitch bending the voices and, and everything like that yeah um yeah andy's silly country accent which is kind of funny that <laughs> both of these like, he's sort of a country southern accent uh in, yeah in right and then he's got in in now definitely a country kind of honky-tonk twang to it yeah um, good point i think that this song um maybe i can't think of another example this one seems to be andy and john and rob isn't in it all that much i mean like he doesn't really stand out singing any, except for the singing but again like you know maybe they know when huh. to kind of stand back and this is what they're do they do um yeah and i i love that the part that you guys were talking about where you know the crescendo decrescendo whatever the carpaccio oh my god uh, the, yeah. the bass and guitar <laughs> um so many parts to keep track of um it's amazing it's a, and as i say it's a great melding of era era uh, of eras the lyrics are great for the music and the subject i think um yes and i i do really appreciate although listening to it in isolation is a little bit different you want to anticipate um brother rat i i do like that it is it's so fast and complex <laughs> And it leads right into Brother Rat, which is so oh my God. like more stripped down than pretty much anything. Um, oh, yeah, so beautiful. The drumming, Can I throw um, a hand grenade into your conversation with us? Yeah, <laughs> I've got a, I've got a, I've got a British hand grenade to throw into your conversation. Alrighty. Whoa. And that there's Me? a filter that is a filter to think about everything through with no means no. Okay. Uh-oh. Did Andy join No Means No, or did Rob join Infamous Scientists? <laughs> Hmm. I think it depends on the song. Oh. <laughs> it depends on the song. Yeah. yeah, right. It's like switching the greater than or less oh, than sign Cause, from cause one side to the other. Just what you said, Matthew, there of like, well, this is a this is an Andy and John song. Your interview with Rob was really interesting in terms of like the dynamic, the family dynamic in terms of the band. Yeah, dynamic. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like yep. no matter what happened with that band, John was always Rob's little brother. But yep. Yep. Did John and do John and Andy relate to each other more because they were contemporaries and peers and they'd been mm. in a band? And I've got this like across all four songs we're talking about today. Is I was watching some stuff of them live and I was watching listening to the songs. There are times it feels like Rob joined Infamous Scientist. 
Oh, that's fascinating. Totally. Question. Well, if you think about it, I'd never really thought of it before. I mean, you had um, John and, and Andy and um, infamous scientists, and then um, Rob and John just doing just the brothers, mm-hmm. no means no. Mm-hmm. And then you had John and Tom later on mm-hmm. doing showbiz giants showbiz um, giants yeah right and uh, andy was involved in that as well and uh, so I, i'm sure that there was some andy tom stuff happening and then just there was no just just andy and rob but except but in, at, yeah, at this period song, if this period in yeah. the band yeah. can you identify up to the end of zero plus two equals one a song that mm-hmm. was so past if you cut mama out and the early stuff Mm-hmm. Is there a song you can identify in their first four albums that is John and Rob? They are either Andy well, and John here's, here's, or they are here's, Rob. Here's what I would say on that. And this is a song that's not on this. This And, and again, I don't want to de- derail. We'll go back into your thing, Matthew, here in a minute. But there are songs that Andy pushes off to the side and dismisses on zero plus two equals one that make me think they really are Rob and John, like Mary, for instance, Andy has Mm -hmm. no patience for it. He could give two shits about that song. And so that to me is a song that's like, that's Rob. And then John underneath it coming in to support it. That's not an Andy song. Andy was doing Mm -hmm. support and he did a fucking amazing job, job, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's not a, it's not an Andy song. He could give two, I don't know, saying he could give two shits about it is is a little strong, but he he doesn't love it. He He doesn't love it. And I think there's other songs on that album too that are the same. So that's an interesting dynamic to think about. But you could pull those songs out and replace them with the ones that Andy pushed out as zero plus two equals one and a half. One and a half. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the ones that then pushed out later on. If you took the John and Rob songs that, probably should have gone on to Mr. Happy from Zero Plus Two and pulled back all the ones that worked their way out into the rest of their catalogue. Yeah. You have two yeah. different back you have t- you have a really interesting change of back. That's totally that. interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So Matthew we've totally de- we've, yeah, de- yeah, de- yeah. we've derailed you. Let's try to get you back on the rails. I'm thinking I was just wrapping up. It's it's all you're wrapping it's up anyway, good. but yeah. Pretty Good. much wrapping up. Um, yeah, uh, Beauty and the Beast is not as raw as um, a lot of the stuff on Sex Mad, and not as I don't want to say twee. That's not the right word, but there, there's a lot of um, Mama. Sometimes it's cute. <laughs> it's, They're kids. Um, yeah, um, it's not it's a be- sort of it's a, not a Bell and Sebastian song. They've written. No, it's, it's t- tidy somehow. Um, Tid- yeah, 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 tidier. Tidier. Um, so yeah, anyway, I guess that's probably what I've got to say about uh, those until we talk about the next little bit. Round two. All right. Round two. Well, let's dive into that, I, I, and I'll be kind of succinct. We're all, I mean, no, we do not have to censor ourselves, but holy shit, we're already ele- hour eleven minutes. I know. We're still, Are we going to do round two tonight? We're only still in round one of round one. Uh, so the first thing that we talk about in the second round of talking about these two songs together is whether they're representative. No means no. This is really hard. Cause I think both of these songs are absolutely representative, but a lot yep. has been brought up in the discussion about how now really is in a sense, kind of an, I don't, this is maybe the wrong word, but it's kind of an outlier in a way, right? It, it does have a lot of crossover appeal. I'll talk about that in a second, but the fact that it's not like, you know, it's not bass driven. It's a little more, you know, for lack of a better word, honky tonk. But on the other hand, it's like, it does represent everything they can do. They can take a a style of music that you might not think Mm -hmm, is punk, mm -hmm. put it in service of an absolutely brilliant piece of poetry, surface different elements and different skills of each of the band members to make a Uh holistic piece 
that's just fucking gorgeous and amazing. Yeah. And to me, that yeah. is incredibly representative of what no means no is. So I, it's, I guess it just depends on how you look at that question, but I think it's incredibly representative, as is Beauty and the Beast in a whole different way. And the fact that these two different songs, for me, could be put up as very representative of what No Means No does is representative in and of itself. The fact that you could play these two songs for someone and go like, this is the same band. Uh, yep, yep. And they exactly. might go, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I recognize mm-hmm. the voices, but are you fucking kidding? No, it's not the same band. Yep. That's mm-hmm. what's representative about these two songs for me. Um, but this is, but the thing that struck me yesterday is when I knew this question was coming, no means no themselves decided that now was representative of them because they chose to open their final ever appearance with now. Well, I don't know that they, I don't know that they, right, right. But But they didn't know it was going to be there. They didn't know necessarily it was going to be there. Oh, that's right. By the time. But they chose when they had to, they had a four song showcase to go out to that audience. The first song they opened with was now, which Tom Mm. hadn't been a part of. Right. And 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 the first voice wasn't the person who sang it on the, on the album. Yeah. Yeah. They chose that as a representation of what they sounded like. Exactly. And and as yeah. well they should have because it's absolutely mm-hmm. iconic for their mm-hmm. for their mm-hmm. sound. And I think mm-hmm. the other, I don't think Beauty and the Beast is a song that most people would bring forth as one of the iconic sort of representational songs. I could be wrong about that. Not that people don't like it, but I don't know it's the first one on people's lips. But it is very representative of their sound, their humor, their the way they layer shit in, the 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 way that they'll mix irreverence with. Uh, just a switch into just brutal hardcoreness. Uh, the the themes within it, it's it's also incredibly representative. So I to answer that question, I think both of these songs are very representative, and the fact that yep. both of them are so different paired together, they're very representative. And and a shout out, Matthew, to what you were talking about. One of the things I've really appreciated about doing this podcast is really diving into these songs, pulling them out of the album. And not listening to this going into Sl- uh, Brother Rat Slade Says, which is always how I've listened to it. To pull this out on its own and listen to it with now is a totally different fucking six-peak oh, nugget meal, right? Like, that is really right. different. Because I do love Brother Rat and Slade Says so much that there's a part of me that's always anticipating it. That when I pull that away, it's like, oh, good, there's a part of me that's not trying to invent the future to, to think about now, right? Not living right. in what's coming yeah. next, but really trying to live with the song. And I really fucking love that. I, 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 it made me appreciate the song way more. So it holds its own. Absolutely. In terms of whether I would introduce newbies to this song, I have many times new to, for now. I've never introduced beauty and the beast. I'm not saying I wouldn't, but now is just, I think it's one of their easiest songs to introduce people. So here's my story yeah. for now, right now, the most recent one. Uh, the oldest one, and this is where I was uh, kind of riffing on what you were hinting at, Andy. I had a, I won't call him a friend. He was a, he was a acquaintance. Uh, when I, my first year back from college, he went to a different school than I did in my hometown, but he was in my hometown and he was a absolute fucking redneck, died in the wool, goddamn redneck, giant truck. <clears throat> idiot fucking redneck the only reason i hung out with him is because he had really really good weed all the time i'm not proud of it <laughs> but he had good weed and i wanted good weed and so there we go but anyway every time he'd come over to my place he would beg me he'd like could you please put on that song now could you please put on now and if it weren't How now he was listening that? to fucking country bullshit right like bad bad music i'm like fuck yeah i'll put it on man let's listen to it four times in a row so 
it converted. Uh, he didn't convert him to wow. Nolan Snow, but he loved this fucking song. He loved it. He loved it unapologetically, unironically. It's so he good. Fucking loved it. And yeah. so the other day, I was talking to my managing partner at my law firm about uh, No Means No, this podcast a little bit. And he was like, oh, I'd love to hear this band. Like, oh, what's some songs you can recommend? And so I put a little email together. And one of the songs I recommended was, you know what? You should listen to now. Like, I think, you know, this is a, this is one I could introduce. I don't yeah. know what kind of music you like, but this is, it's not a safe song, but it's a song that's not going to fucking send you screaming right away. If you right. listen to it, right. you can probably fucking get it's into palatable. it, even though it really has the depth, the musicianship, the themes. It has everything I love about this band, but I'd be more inclined to give this song rags and bones is maybe up there a little bit in terms of their most accessible. Hey, listen to this, whoever, I don't know. You really know you really well, but this <laughs> song for sure is like, fuck. Yeah. Listen to now. It's if you don't love this and eh, just give up, you're not going to like it. Yeah. Just go fuck away. yourself. Well, I mean, or whatever, but like, yeah, go fuck yourself, but whatever. I'm just like, kidding, yeah, but no. you might as well don't, don't pass go. You're not going to, but if you like that <laughs> yeah. one, Hey, I got, I got some more drugs for you here. I'll push, I'll push some other songs on you. So yeah. yeah, would I introduce a newbie to to now? I have multiple times, and they fucking love it. Um, would I introduce Beauty and the Beast? Not as a new song. No, there's others I would choose. Not because it's bad, but I just don't think it's their most introductory song. I, I mean, depending on, but not even that. Depending on the user, if there were people that I user, Jesus Christ. Depending on the listener, <laughs> I still think there are other examples I'd push on people first, even with within different genres. This might be a chaser, but. I don't think I'd give it to someone first as much as I love it. Huh. So, uh, Andy, how about you with these second topics? It's funny. I, I looked at this and I thought about it in terms of like my professional life of like objectivity versus subjectivity. Now, I would say objectively, I would say is a great song to introduce people to No Means No. Subjectively, Beauty and the Beast would be the one I would let them play. Because I feel like nice. now is... Now is no means no's waiting room. Like if I was going to say to somebody, here's a song, you're probably not going to get any deeper than this. You're not going to go listen. You're not going to go deep into the back catalog, but you will always think no means no are a cool band and they write some good songs. Now yeah. is one yep. they would like. The other one I always think would do that is um, slowly melting. I think is another mm. song that like most people would really, really like. Yeah. But if it was somebody who came to me and said, I'm really into like, interesting music i would play them beauty and a beast and a heartbeat and i I can't thank you enough for giving me this selection of songs because beauty (laughs) and the beast is always like existed like i've known it i've known how to play it i've played along with it but actually having that opportunity to go back and listen to it it is so much better a song than i gave it credit right right Mm -hmm. but i wouldn't but i wouldn't someone would need to have made a few deposits into their commitment exactly. to this kind of music right. before you I work played your way them. Up to that. Whereas so now, yeah. I could like yep. you could shove that on a mixtape of people who liked alternative music, exactly. and right. they exactly. would say, "Oh yeah, I've heard of No Means No," and they would never yeah. get any further into that. Right. right. Yep. Absolutely. All right, Michelle. How about you? Well, I. Second, very much a lot of stuff Andy says, but I gotta tell you, I love the outrageous and I love the kick in the ass, the slap in the face, a Beauty and the Beast. I would play for anybody. Anybody who's met me knows that I'm gonna play in Beauty and the Beast, you know. 
And now, yeah, I'd play my anybody this, even my mom. I think she'd like it. Yeah, right. This, now is such it's it's such a gem. It's such a great song, and it makes you feel so good. Beauty and the Beast is fucked, but I, I you know, I've introduced <laughs> people to it is, but I've introduced people. Um, I've played um, Brother Rat more to newbies than any other one. Oh, me too. Believe it or me not. Too. But the people I, I really care about, just, the people I care about, that's the one I play. Well, yeah, but and they know music and they appreciate it, but I was like, listen to how big this is with with, with not a lot. Yeah. But I, I'd play both of them, but Beauty and the Beast, absolutely. Nice. Matthew, how about yep. you? Um, yeah, no means, I mean, now is, it's, there aren't any songs like it. No, no other, other no means no songs. It's very, very unique. Um, so in that way, I don't think it's very representative of no means. No, it, I mean, it, it is, but it isn't, uh, it oh, is. And exactly what you guys would have been saying. And, mm. um, I've said similar mm-hmm. things about it in the past, whether, um, whether I thought the person would get into no means, no, or whether I just wanted them to like a no means, no song. Those are different. Right. Those are, those are right. different. Yeah. Yeah. It's, great, it's great differentiation. Yeah. 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 It's, it's Good very, point. it's a very accessible, uh, song. And I would hope that, um, the best I would hope if I were going to introduce, and I have introduced people to No Means No with now, people I don't know very well, um, to say, oh yeah, this is what they sound like, and then I'll play something totally whack. It's like, this is the same band. Um, <laughs> but now is usually what I start with, hoping that, you know, mm. if if they do continue to listen to No Means No, that they'll, I don't think that they might twig on to other songs as much as they might twig on to the lyrics and the depth um, and the the contrast in terms of the um, content versus the music, uh, right? In in now that might be oh this is much more interesting than it sounds on first listen, on first listen. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, as for I think I've already said that um, so, Beauty and the Beast brings up for me um, so many other areas of No Means No. And um, both of the songs kind of herald what will come later as well. Although, yeah, now is it's really just a turning point, as um, Andy was saying. You know, they're from a live band to a studio band. It is an, an interesting thought, and I hadn't uh, considered it that way before. Um, would I introduce a newbie to with Be- Beauty and the Beast? Probably not. Um, unless I knew something about their musical tastes or, um, you know, the types of bands that they played in or what instrument they play maybe. Um, but, uh, yeah, would not, it's very representative of them, but I don't think I would introduce. And, um, now it's the other way around. <laughs> um, not, yeah. not yeah. really, not really yeah, representative, but, um, yeah, things that, um, yeah, I love, all the humor and all of the sound effects and all of the weird shit in Beauty and the Beast, um, which yeah. you have to know stuff about No Means No to detect it in uh, in now. Right, like it's there. Yeah, but it's oh. more it's it's more subtle or more integrated. Yeah. Okay. Right. I, think, I think me and Matthew have a have a very unique perspective on this, being Cardiac fans, ah. because now to me is the Arnold of Cardiac of like No Means No. Okay. Like we we are used to introducing people to music that is so deep that most like most people can't even reach the entry point of it with that, and that <laughs> sounds like what you're saying is like Beauty and the Beast like is a 
like you really have to really be committed to introduce somebody straight into that. You can really. Yeah, I, we, we, it's harder to piss people off with No Means No than it is with Cardiacs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people people Cardiacs won't have like the, the visceral revulsion. <laughs> <laughs> but, throw, but, you know, dog like Sparky right but, at them in the same. Yeah. Or, or throw like um, horse's tail or uh, yeah. something yeah. like that. But 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 no. But now is that same kind of song of like this kind of follows everything you've learned that music sounds like. Hmm. But there's also a but please don't don't open that door past this song because <laughs> you're probably gonna run away screaming and never talk to me again if you do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. now is now is the song I I want to set people on the path. And Beauty and the Beast is a song that I'm really excited for them to discover once they've decided yeah. to go down the path themselves, right? Like that's where you meet people the other side. You leave them, yeah. Leave you're like, oh, gate, oh, and God, when they come and meet you down that path, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, exactly. there's this garden here. I can introduce exactly. you to. You're gonna love, exactly. you but you have to make way. it past that gate in the first place. Yeah, exactly. I'll be All right, there. Well, now's the part we've been avoiding. We can't avoid any longer. We've got to vote one of these. Oh fuckers God, through. I don't have no idea where this is going. Yeah. So this is again. I think at the end of last episode when we drew these, I was really flippant and I was like, "Oh, this isn't going to be so hard. Why are you guys talking about so it's going to be so hard?" And I, take, I, I take that all back. Like this is fucking hard as shit, especially really yeah. now. Um, but it is for me now in this round. Now is the winner, even though. It's by a hair's breadth, and if I'm in a different mood, it could be Beauty and the Beast, because it really musically is the more interesting song in a lot of ways. But I don't know. You know, I'm kind of a meaning guy in a lot of ways. Like, that's really where this band hits me strongest. And now right. is one of yeah, the sure. best poems about the nature of time and human consciousness that I've ever encountered in any work of art, regardless of whether it's a song or not. And that, coupled with the musicianship, where it is on the album, how accessible it is in a way and yet so deep at the same time which there's not a lot of songs like that i don't know it's just higher in the pantheon for me but beauty and the beast is is way farther up there than it ever would have been prior to me doing this podcast and i have a deep deep appreciation for the song and i'll be putting Honey. it on on its own now when i never would have done that before probably i would have just listened to it in the album but i never would have gone oh let me go listen to beauty and the beast i gotta hear that one now it's Whoa, fucking definitely one serious. of those i gotta go under but mm -hmm. in terms of my vote it's now so andy how about you your first vote um so i'm doing the museum director thing and i'm doing the objective versus subjective um no matter what we decide tonight now is still going to exist and be an entry point, be a gateway portal to lots of people who that is what they know of no means no. But Beauty and the Beast is where we will all group hug, create a circle, and any of us, when we all get together, any of us from the 25 years of no means no forums, when we meet, we will hug each other, we'll pull each other tight, and we'll say, yeah, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> all right. Michelle, oh how about you? God. I feel a dice roll. I'm going to behold the eyes of a beast. I'm beasting it. I'm a beastie nice. girl. Not Matthew, a beastie you're boy. You're I'm going to, oh my God, Matthew. Or you're going to tie oh, it. Oh, yes, Beauty and the Beast for me. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Um, oh my God, I can't stand it. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love this so much. Warm up the dice. No pressure. Maybe not. Yeah, no Maybe pressure. Not. This as is much one song is going to disappear. Yeah. As as much as um 
Beauty and the Beast has certainly risen in my estimation and how there's a lot more songs like it in No Means No. And I think now because of where it is and when it was and what Jordan was saying about the, the, the poetry of it, I think still, even though I have a harder time of it than I would have had years before, I think I still have to go with now because I will go to now and listen to it on its own still and i think i will continue to do that as well and i think the band cast the casting vote in this which is what did they choose to play in their final performance Mm. they chose to play now they did not choose to play beauty and the beast but (laughs) i think think that's your casting your casting vote the game is played how the game is played, man. I got a dice with four sides. Don't you? Don't we you? We each roll have a number. That. I am. We each have a number, and one, whichever number is rolled, is the person whose vote is out. So wait, wait, what? Meaning that if, if I roll, if Andy is one and he's one, and I roll a one, Andy's vote doesn't count, and that would mean that now goes in. But this, if my uh, vote is this legal here? Yeah, it's it the same. It's odd or even, man. Sorry. No, no, no. This is, no, no, this is not, not a that. democracy. Fuck we're not you. doing that. This is not a democracy. Fuck <laughs> you. Yeah. I the system. Andy is one. I'm two because it's on my Zoom. Uh, uh, Matthew is three. Michelle is four. We're going to see whose four. vote is meaningless. The answer is four. Michelle's vote is out. Now goes through. God damn. Now is in Get out, Michelle. All right, I'm going to go to the bathroom and throw up. I yeah. actually am going to go to the bathroom and it I'm going to throw it, up. It, ladies and gentlemen, he's drawn the pee. It is pee pee time. So we're all going to go do our little pee pees because it's been an hour and fucking and a half already and we're just <laughs> around one. So everybody go pee pee. Andy, you're free to just sit and talk into the uh, microphone for a while if you want, or we'll just cut this out. But we'll see when I go into editing. But uh, we'll be back, folks. <laughs> We're going to jump back into it here, folks, because we're already an hour and a half in and we got more than half of the show left. So I'm going to go ahead and, and this was probably a mistake, not because of how good it is. It's amazing, but it's not super short, but I'm going to read it anyway. So everyone else buckle in. I should have done this while we were peeing, but I had to pee too. So we're going to read a listener submission. And as a reminder to everybody, we still fucking want these. They've really slowed down. I don't blame you. You've, anybody who's wanted to do this probably already has. But if you're a new listener... Uh, and we've got a lot of those. Rob Rob brought in a bunch of new folks, so thanks right. to that. Um, and you're, if you're still listening, what we want to hear from you, uh, a couple different things. One, uh, Matthew's always better at this than I am. So, Matthew, why don't, you, why don't you tell them what we want them to send to us? Well, I'm, I'm realizing that you're probably right. A lot of people are probably listening, and uh, maybe this is the first... Uh, first one that they're listening to the, the first one was Sean uh, or something like that. There's some atypical podcasts that we've re- released. So maybe I should run down like what we've done already. I mean, we're on episode 51. You can go back and yeah, listen to it. them all. They're all av- available to you, but basically you it works like you a should. sports bracket. We have a randomizer script where, uh, uh, so songs that it picks out their random pairings could be adjacent on the same album could be, in, um, you know, 30 years apart. So we've already gone through all of uh, no means knows, uh, released songs along with some um, weird oddities. And uh, now we are matching them back up again, just like a sports bracket. Some have gone through. Um, we had a few wild cards that we brought back in and voting um, ones that we did not like had having gone out. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
And so now we're in round two, and uh, we are bringing guests on to make it more interesting so you don't have to listen to our boring voices all the time. Um, and uh, thank you again, Andy, for joining us uh, this evening. Yes. So you what we that. do... We have totally disrespected uh, Ono Bruno. That's the, that's your mission statement. We yes, yeah, yeah, for sure. Ono Bruno. For I, sure. I, I, right. I poop, I poop on it. I poop on it. Um, <laughs> And we are uh, taking your submissions. Um, no means nothing podcast at gmail.com. You can send in um, kind of our icebreaker questions. Uh, what does no means no mean to you? What is your no means no origin story? And uh, did you have some sort of no means no related story to tell us some personal anecdote, uh, something that happened to at a show or, you know, a person that, uh, I don't know, introduced you to them who is no longer with you uh, or something like that. Uh, so there's all kinds of uh, uh, stuff and gen- mostly it will all get read on the podcast. And we have one of those uh, this evening. Uh, so again, send those on in. Um, also, you know, if you want to, you can um, g- give us the gears for uh, one of our choices <laughs> or what uh, songs make a case for something that you th- that got voted off that you think should yeah. be voted back on something like that. Anything like that. Just uh, exactly. send it on in. No means nothing podcast at gmail.com. And I, you may have already mentioned this, Matthew, but it, you know, we love it when you write us in something, but what we love even more is when you fucking record it and send it in. Mm-hmm. I want to hear yeah, you it's say cool it. cool to hear right? people's voices. We don't, we don't mind reading it. We really don't, but I'd rather not rather, but I love it rather when I hear you guys say it and it doesn't have to be fancy, you know, just record it into your iPhone, send it to us. If you don't know how to do that, email us. We can help you figure out how to do that. Oh, uh, we really got to tell that story of Den, Den from Darby. Oh, do it. Please tell it. This is the best fucking story <laughs> oh, about yeah. listener submissions ever, ever. Go for it, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, fellow uh, Dan um, from, from Darby, uh, he uh, sent in this wonderful Darby. story. Uh <laughs> where uh Nomizo ended up staying with a bunch of staying with his parents a bunch of times um on on various tours and it started out with the um the showbiz giants that's uh, the first time that that happened and uh so uh, on our little trip we were hanging out uh, one sunny afternoon with uh John Wright and uh, and his wife Wendy and Scott Henderson of uh, <laughs> Victoria Indie fame, as well as Shovelhead and member of the Showbiz Giants, and recording uh, any genius. any number of wonderful um, and significant Victoria releases. <clears throat> so he starts telling a story about um, this guy and this extremely drunk guy in in Derby who uh, and wound up at the show and ended up uh, inviting them people back, the bands back to stay with his parents. And he told the very story that uh, that Dan had told us on the podcast and i'm like wait a minute that's familiar (laughs) yep it was um pretty much note for note so that's uh, that's kind of the way that scott henderson is so i know that it is the truth so dan despite your drunkenness uh you remembered uh all the details pretty well because uh scott henderson seems to have an eidetic memory and uh (laughs) so there you go um letter for letter he said it was the the best sleep he ever had didn't he say that he's like yeah that's the best sleep i ever had yeah in somebody else's house and he just remembered that very fondly that guy pretty phenomenal pretty phenomenal and the, the house was a amazing and it was very you know cool yeah. to stay there yeah, yeah. Is that derby sides? england yeah. you're talking yeah. About yeah. yeah 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 i was there derby victoria inn oh wow it was oh, the same venue. The, the same venue. derby victoria inn i saw them on the um no means no one tour gotcha um, i it took started, well, the... i was i was 
stay. I was uh, doing my masters just down the road, and the following week, cardiac spike. Oh, so oh, I did back to back drives to Derby to see oh, no means no and cardiacs, and I took oh, the cool. same friends to both. And oh, wicked! They literally uh, needed to go outside for oxygen uh, when <laughs> Rob's bass kicked in. Like yeah. Rob's bass, like Rob's bass, just like blew out the PA system. <laughs> it was so he loud. He talk about that. Yeah. He talked about that. Didn't All right. It was so... it was like blowing the windows out of the pub. Yeah, yeah. That was oh, like... man. Rob's bass was not easy on the DJ's rock. Rob's bass was um like <laughs> oh, probably like three cities Rob's bass was still still yeah. vibrating walls. Still vibrating to this day around the world. <laughs> all right, so we're going to listen to submission, uh, which kind of covers all the things we've asked about, from uh, listener Jordan Dunsmuir. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Jordan, thank you so much. And uh, awesome first name, by the way. Uh, so we're in that club. Right. So uh, we're going to go ahead. And, yeah, we're, he spells it different, but that's all right. I'll forgive him. So here we go. We're going to dive into Jordan's story here. When I was about 10 or 11 years old, I was starting to get interested in punk rock, along with my older brother. We started with mainstream radio stuff like Green Day and The Offspring, but our father, an enthusiastic lifelong fan of all manner of aggressive music, encouraged us to investigate further and was soon chaperoning us to the rare all-ages gigs that would come through our small town of Nelson, British Columbia. We saw mm. bands like The Smugglers, Submission Hold, and the biggie for me at the time, DOA. Around this time, we were constantly watching and videotaping music videos that would air on Much Music, which was kind of like Canada's lower budget approximation of MTV. They were giving a small amount of non-primetime air to play this goofy music video, a punk rock cover of Stompin' Tom Connors' The Hockey Song, a song I think just about every Canadian knows. This band was called the Hanson Brothers, and our father, who had lived in Victoria for a number of years from the late 70s through the mid-80s, told us that they were actually the side project of a group called No Means No, who he'd seen a few times back in their early days. We ended up getting a copy of Sudden Death from our town's surprisingly decent oh, record man. store, and we were hooked. I was never a big hockey fan like my dad or my brother, but I was instantly drawn to the catchy, Ramonesy tunes on that album, and we played it constantly for weeks. Shortly thereafter... My brother brought home an album by this No Means No band, the worldhood of the world as such. I was excited to hear what this other project by these guys sounded like. He put it on the CD player, and I thought it was okay. I remember really loving Humans, I Got a Gun, and My Politics. I thought yeah. it was definitely interesting, but I'd be lying if I said a lot of those songs didn't go straight over my head. I did think it was really cool how prominent the bass was, Primus being my favorite band at the time, and still one of my favorites. Either way, despite not immediately loving it, I listened to that album a lot, and some of the songs that maybe didn't grab me immediately were really starting to grow on me. Like this weird song, Predators. How the hell does anyone write a song like that? Am I crazy, or does this song that I think objectively rocks not actually have any guitar? That's correct. <laughs> Seemingly, immediately after giving the album, No Means No were actually going to be playing in Nelson, but I was still only 12 years old, a good seven years away from BC's legal drinking age. There was definitely no way I was going to be allowed into the club. My dad went, however, and came back with a fresh Mr. Happy t-shirt for me. Mr. Happy quickly became my nickname at school because of how often I wore that damn shirt. And when what? it fell apart, I ordered another one. And when that one fell apart, I ordered yet another one. 
My dad also brought the news that just a couple of days from now, No Means No would be playing an all-ages show in the neighboring town of Castlegar, just half an hour away. The venue? Stanley Humphrey's Secondary School in the school's what drama theater. Thanks uh, to the effort of what I assume has to be the craziness. coolest student. What's going on? And uh, thanks to the efforts of what I assume has to be the coolest student council in the history of public education, they had persuaded the powers that be to use the majority of their event's budget to pay for the band to perform for the students. Oh, I see that Matthew's writing. I'm going to stop for a second because he thinks I've lost connection. Yeah, don't, something just... Uh, yeah, don't yeah. don't don't worry about it. It's recording fine on my side. I'll be able to get it all in in the mix. So we'll, we'll continue. Uh... Let's see. They had persuaded the powers that be to use the majority of their event's budget to pay for the band to perform for the students in lieu of a traditional school dance. I'm pretty sure it was free for the students, but it was open to the public as well. If I had to guess, I'd say the band or their booker may have pushed for that, perhaps thinking that merch sales from a few dozen 15 to 17-year-olds might make, might make up for the most not the most lucrative night. My persuasive father had even mooched our way onto the guest list after running into them when they were having lunch the next day. For years, mm. whenever we were listening to the small, small parts and the, can I get in for free? When for free. came on, we would joke that the voice was my dad's. Oh, that's great. <laughs> the night of the show came, and to our surprise, there was actually a good turnout. I'm not sure what the band was expecting, but there was a good mix of students, punks, older fans, and most hilarious to me, a few skeptical and concerned-looking teachers and faculty staff that had been enlisted <laughs> to chaperone and keep an eye on the proceedings. Jesus a couple, Christ. A couple things that stood out to me when they took the stage. The drummer was set up right at the front of the stage instead of behind the rest of the band. He also had his own vocal mic. Prior to this, I'd never heard of a drummer being a vocalist as well. Also, these were the most unassuming, normal-looking Canadian dudes, completely unlike the mohawked and leather-jacketed bands I'd seen prior, and they looked old enough to be my dad. They opened yeah. with a song I recognized, Victim's Choice. Instantly, I realized they were leagues ahead of the bands I'd seen so far. Within the yeah. first 15 minutes, I knew they were yeah. my favorite band. They were playing these complex songs with such precision, but it was never too wanky or esoteric. The songs still fucking rocked and were firmly rooted in punk rock, and they looked like they were having an absolute blast playing them. I wish I could see a set list of that show because I'd love to know what else they played. They played a few more off Worldhood that I recognized, and I know they played Disappear, even though Dance of the Headless Bourgeoisie hadn't been released yet, because I have a vivid memory of attempting to dance by hopping in place like an idiot during that song. As I started acquiring the rest of their albums, I picked out other songs I recognized from that night. Big Dick, What Slade Says, oh, and Two Lips, Two Lungs, and One Tongue. My dad laughed his ass off when they played the theme song from The Love Boat. I remember that. <laughs> By the next time they came through town, my brother and I were full-on No Means No fanatics and now had almost everything they'd released, including the brand new album they were touring on, Dance of the Headless Bourgeoisie. Still far too young to be admitted to the bar they were playing, we decided to watch, quotes, the show from outside the venue, along with a friend of my brother's who had also become a uh. rabid fan. They'd opened up the alley doors so patrons could smoke outside, so the show was actually quite audible, although we couldn't see them performing at all. Oh, cool. Most of the people that stepped out to smoke were amused at which major fans we were. We were singing along and dancing outside. It was so much fun. The three of us having our own party in the alley. One very <laughs> drunk man pleaded with the bouncer to let us in, because in his words, we were the biggest fans there. He was politely <laughs> told to fuck off. <laughs> The band even Awful. dedicated a song to us, saying, this one's for the young lads outside, or something to that oh, effect. Oh, come on, how cool is that? <laughs> one of my favorite show memories, and I wasn't even technically in attendance. 
I saw oh, them many man. more times over the years, and they were never anything short of astounding. I even got to open for them one time with my very amateurish high school punk band. We must have looked ridiculous at the sold-out nightclub show with our puny 15-1 amps propped up on chairs. I also got to see plenty of Hanson Brothers, show business giants, and Tom solo gigs as well. My mom, who was never a big fan per se, but had become familiar with their music by way of it constantly being played in her house, was genuinely impressed by both their musicianship and lyricism, and went to see Tom perform one night with a couple of friends when he came through town. I was still underage and unable to get in. After the show, she told me that Tom she told she told me that she had told Tom that she really likes their song I'm an asshole. But when she sings the song, <laughs> she changes the lyrics to I'm a nice guy. I was oh my God. I was duly mortified. <laughs> no means no has been with me for almost my entire music listening life, and they've had an enormous impact on me. Oh, I've been I a fanatic for other bands as well, but I will always return to No Means No. Their musicianship, delivery, and brilliant lyricism has never been matched yep. for me in such a unified statement of a band. There's been a void left ever since they retired, but as sad as I was when they first announced it, I'll never second-guess their decision. They spent 35 years proving they knew what they were doing. If they thought it was time to go, then it was time exactly. to go. Thanks so much for the excellent right. work you guys do on the podcast. It's been awesome hearing such in-depth analysis, even when I'm yelling at you for some of your verdicts. And it's gotten me <laughs> to reevaluate some of their songs that I've been a little more dismissive of in the past. Be strong, be wrong. Oh my God. Jordan, I love this guy. Thank yeah. you. He's a big cardiac fan too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That was brilliant. So now we're yeah I fucking love it this is why we want more of these to come in because i just i just fucking love yeah it. so we're almost at the two hour mark and we've not even started on what are two other fucking kaiju that's going to go in at least another hour holy shit with my yep. internet popping in and out which just makes me want to puke uh but we're all good yeah, so it was let's, a little hairy there it doesn't matter too much because all of us are recording our tracks on our computers so oh, see, still recording. i don't understand so that because i'm a as luddite. long as at the end they all get uploaded we're good because if it's i not... don't hear it it's not happening yeah don't worry about it luddite uh if i'm not panicking you don't need to panic all right so all listen right. folks we're gonna start round two and jesus christ okay first thing about these two songs that i'm gonna have sean are you already know what they are because sean let the cat out of the bag early on but i'm gonna remind you but here's what's wild about it both of these absolute kaiju songs, these top shelf no means no songs, are people's choice songs. They both got yep. voted out of round one. Mm -hmm. I mean, what the fuck? So our first song is Sex Mad off of the eponymous Sex Mad, 1986. It lost to Long Days in episode 21. I stand by oh. that choice, but it lost to Long Days. I bet I know what I voted for. And then, and yeah. then, oh, no, no, you know exactly what you voted for. Come and on. then in Come one on. of the Please. absolute highlights and nadirs of the podcast, zero plus two equals one. Lost oh, against Mary, which Mary. I still don't like. I don't know how the fuck. I mean, I, I still stand by that choice kind of, but I don't fucking know. Like, give me a yep. break. That was the worst. You threw worst something across the history. room. It was, yep. it was bad. I did. I did. Yeah. Um, they both, so yeah, they both lost and they're both title tracks. And they're both title tracks, yeah. So what the fuck? I don't right. know how that goes. Right. And I'm really glad they're both back in, and I don't want to send either of these to the corner. But here oh we go. Oh my god, what the fuck are we doing to ourselves? So before we, before, uh, before Matthew takes his turn talking about these songs first, we're gonna listen to a little mashup of "Sex Mad" and "Zero Plus Two Equals One." So strap them on, folks, and get to pegging. 
solutions In the end for light You must burn your conclusions Night and darkness Mount silence above all Not the equations Of sun-loving hate Or their prayers for the dead Of a world that's to come Zero plus two thing right there yeah, probably. <laughs> sexual uh, intercourse right there that was interesting um, all right i uh looking scary looking up these songs about. on my phone so that i can like listen to the songs um individually just the way my phone works and yeah there's a lot of you know, typing in sex uh no means has a lot of songs <laughs> with sex in the title that's for sure they do to drill down um yeah this is very uh very indicative of the sort of chaotic and controlled chaos um of uh, of the period like absolutely um the the lyrics are um relatively simple and a relatively simple rhyme scheme as well and regular which is kind of unusual for numbers now it's iambic tetrameter if you give a shit about such things um the performance they're very very in, in tune with each other and this is one of those songs where they are um very much braided together like everybody's doing their part um the uh the the rhymes are like pretty simple pretty funny um but i I, what i really like about this song is that it is um that almost like a not a round but the same lyrics are repetitive repeated in different contexts different musical contexts uh which is Mm. pretty which is really really cool about this song um yep so it's repetitive but um totally controlled um, I love the dreamy sort of seventies ish breakdown. I guess, uh, there's quite a bit of that sort of thing on, on sex mad. Um, what else have I got to say about it? It's, uh, both of these songs, um, are about how thinking won't help you <laughs> in some ways. Um, how, uh, mm-hmm. sex mad is just like, you are completely disengaged except for one thing. Um, and zero plus two was one is means thinking, thinking won't help you. <laughs> Um, no matter how much you think right yeah um and comparing the two it's so difficult they're so uh they're so different i mean um sex mad is very much about the sex drive it is just very very focused it's very very directional um whereas um zero plus two is one is a okay lurching um I might have said this before. I, it seems like something I might have said or Jordan might have said. But um, yeah, Zero Plus Two Equals One is like that thing in the wasteland lurching towards Bethlehem to be born. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it is. Um, I, I just saw Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and there are these tentacled monsters. <laughs> I don't remember what they were called, but they're big and scary and you can only see them kind of indistinctly. And that's kind of like this song. It is, this is definitely one of the songs that's so visually evocative for me, almost synesthetic 
is mm. uh, right in that whole sci-fi apocalyptic universe that no means no um maybe inadvertently maybe just what's going on in rob's head um sex mad is an andy song zero plus two equals one is very much a rob song i think um so yeah this um let's see it's not a fun song to listen to in some ways it's i wouldn't say fun is is like sex mad it's fun it's catchy there's like a lot of repetition to it zero plus two one is is repetitive but it's very lurching and it is a maybe the song that maybe wants to eat you or do harm to you the most in uh, (laughs) no music or but like not it's hostile but not personally so it doesn't give a shit about you it's like a it's like a Lovecraftian elder god. I was going to say it's an outer god from Lovecraft for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had so, in my notes. Um, yeah, being Mister Art Museum Director, um, yeah. zero plus two is a Hieronymus Bosch painting mm-hmm. made yeah, into right. music. Yeah, yeah, that, very good. That um, the Garden of Earthly Delights. Yeah, everything mm-hmm. that is like messed up in the world, in the universe, in a song. Is zero yeah. plus two equals one? It's yeah. interesting that both of us sort of came up with somewhat uh, classical religious references because yeah. this is a very, um, you know, nihilistic, I and mean, it so encapsulates everything that no means no kind of represents and thinks and Brains. so so much of what's Brains. in their other songs, um, and so the sharply that way as well. Very much yeah. so. Very very crystalline. So it's it's very very sharp. So many of the, some of my f- absolute favorite lyrics in any No Means No song, although sometimes they're n- not disconnected so much, but like so crystalline in themselves. Um, right. Jordan and I had a lot of fun at the sort of it was beginning where beginning, beginning where you could plug uh, verbal prompts into AIs and it'd shoot out some. So I think I put this whole song oh, yeah. into uh, AI images. Um, this isn't. Yeah, this, this isn't. What I don't understand what the world is. This is no. This is exactly what my world is. Huh. From Rob. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, it's the song is always like inimical. Um, and I had to listen carefully. And this is another one of those examples where um, the member stands back. I had to sort of think about whether there was guitar in it. And I'm like, yes, there's guitar in it, but it's not being guitar-y in any way at all. Uh, no, you know, no, he's not, it's not. He's not playing. It's not played so much as tortured. He's um, not strumming. He's, <laughs> he's producing yes. color. Uh, he, oh, he's God. the, you know, the lurching beast is is there. Yeah. And like Andy's guitar is like the, the distant, um, I don't know, w- waterfall or lightning or, um, you know, a, a crack in the road. Um, or, or something like that. It's just entirely environmental, and I don't know whether I'd be oh, able to think of another song um, where somebody plays like that, but it totally, totally fits, and I kind of wonder. I wish that I had the opportunity to watch him do that because I wouldn't have been paying attention oh back God. when I got to see him play this song live. Just whether he would be doing it the same way each time. I kind of doubt it, but then at the same time, right. they've surprised me before. Right. Um, yeah. just, he might've been just feeling it and, um, I need to do something like this at this point, but who knows right. whether, how, like how scripted it was God or whether damn. it would ever be written down in the music. Um, I, this is something that occurred to me and something I've always thought, but, uh, you know, the temple is founded, the, the murder is done. The temple is founded when the current is grounded, it's circuitry hums. 
I often think that that's Slade saying that lyric, and that is the Ooh. the machine that he's crouching Slade. before in um, what Slade says. Yeah, uh, that is the very machine. Huh. Um, I think Slade. everything else that I have, yeah, it's not it's not a light and a happy song. Um, Sex Mad is not happy either. It, it's just so primal and uh zero plus two equals one is just something else something other <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah other <laughs> yeah something very other okay that's uh i could keep going but i'm not going to uh, nice somebody else's turn. <laughs> all right andy you're up oh whoa um i will follow that very well um zero plus two i'm gonna flip the two songs Zero plus two equals one is what no means no should and could have sounded like when Andy joined. If Andy's role was to provide ambient textural guitar and noise to what they were doing. I have a note here that is, um, this is Rob's magnum opus. If you take the Andy era as being the peak no means no. This is Rob playing a single bass line that has yes. no, no deviation and John right. and Andy are creating all kinds of ambience around it oh, that makes yes. it, as I said, it's like Lovecraftian, it's Hieronymus Bosch. I can't picture this song and listen to it without thinking in my head of Rob on a dark amber background just snarling those lyrics yeah in a way that he didn't do in anything else and to me i i put myself a note down this is what no means no with andy kerr added could have sounded like if it had gone down this path everything else we've talked about that is like rob joined infamous scientists and they pulled everything together goes everywhere else but if it was rob's demonic deep scary bass lines with john supporting it and they needed people to support that that is what um zero plus two equals equals one sounds like Uh, yep i i think that's it it's it's like it's demonic it's it's unlike anything they ever did And that's why Zero Plus Two Equals One is such a pivotal album for me because it's where they hit their most commercial, they hit their most professional, and they hit their most um, high-end concept of what they were doing. And they chose to take a path after that because Andy removed himself from the conversation in all of that. But this is so... um, Again, this is this is when I talked earlier about Rob joining Infamous Scientist. This is Andy joining No Means No. This is yeah, if he had yep, come yep, into yep. John and Rob and just provided guitar to support and right. amplify what they were doing. It's just such an insane song. Um, but it's also um, it's such an example of their track sequencing. Because it comes off the back yep. of some, like you of mentioned, some up, Jordan, yep. like jumpy, oh. f- funky songs, and then this comes in 
with a single word and just like pulls the whole of the band down and they play this crazy demonic piece and then it goes back into an up upbeat funky song again like zero plus two equals one as an album it's it's not their best album but as a piece of work it is it's like the rosetta stone of their music it's where like everything you understand about their music comes from is if you understand zero plus two equals one because it's where they came from to where they went and it's the translation of everything ah. they did yeah it's a fulcrum it's, it's definitely it's, it's like, the yeah, one that it, i'm it's, always it's, glad it's, that they didn't tack sh- other shit onto because it's so yeah. and, and, and again it's like its own. and like again the museum director in me that has to understand historical context and take all these things in wrong isn't necessarily my favorite album but it's their most important album but zero plus two equals one is where they they basically gave you their rosetta stone of like this is who we are going to be and this is who we are and that sets the context for absolutely everything they do and zero plus two equals one is like a crazy song that is just all the bits of what make no means no dna yeah and they don't necessarily follow it through it's like it, it's like the culmination of it all rather than where we're going to go because the minute they add Tom who has a different role in all of this it doesn't follow it but it's like what the whole four albums leading up to this could be is encapsulated in Zero Plus Circles 1 in the end for like you must burn your conclusions your conclusions I think we hear hear more of this strain in Mr. Happy than any of the other albums because Rob was so seminal on that and that was so yeah. much his vision that mm-hmm. i hear more of this strain taken to its con- logical conclusion in a way in mr happy than in anything that comes after it when Tom music that wants and, to and that's you. a and that's a great example because what mr happy shows you is what they jettisoned when yeah. andy left yeah but then they had to pick back up again and find a way to fit into what tom did in the later albums is right. really, really interesting because Mr. Yeah. Happy is like such a unique album in their whole catalog. Um, but it's the interesting thing for me is um, Mr. Happy isn't a replication of Mama plus right. 15 no, no, years. No. No. It's what did we learn from having Andy in the band and how can we cover that? That's right. And then they put Tommy oh. and he took a new thing onto that. Yeah. It's 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 just fasc- it's a fascinating um analysis of like what a band could be when they'd been one thing, then they had expanded, then they had to shift and want it, what they wanted to keep from what they were before. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yep. Con- yep. Yeah, expanded really and then contracted, but not back to the same thing yeah. that they had expanded from. And then what they became right. with Tom was a whole totally different thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, versus what they were with Andy. And that's why I love the conversation you had with Jason uh, the other week of like what they lost. Because the other element of this is 
they split what they were doing into Hanson Brothers and No Means No. Jason made a point that was fascinating to me, which was Oh No Bruno was a Hanson Brothers song that was too good for Hanson Brothers. <laughs> yeah. It was ah! it was a No Means No song. Yeah. Post zero plus two equals one, when they got a song that was pure Hanson Brothers, it was more lucrative as a Hanson Brothers song than it was as a No Means No song. And mm. No Means No became the art and Hanson Brothers became the commercial element the of what hamburger. they did. I, yeah. the, only th- the only point I would disagree on that is I feel just off the top of my head that far more Hanson Brothers leaked into those later albums than mm. on anything yes, earlier. Yes, uh, Like yes, there are far yeah. more just like straight up Hanson Brothers. And maybe mm-hmm. I should say maybe it's just straight up John songs on that regard. Yeah, yeah. John, John's more but I think, prominent I think, songwriter. But I think it plays into mm-hmm. what you're saying exactly too in the sense that it's also because they didn't have the creative element of Andy in there anymore. Tom was not yeah. adding in the element of songwriting that that Andy was, and so and that, and that's yeah. where I found what Jason said was really really interesting was um, they would create the like his point, and you all agreed with was on the early albums. Every now and again, they had to prove they were still a hardcore yeah, right. band. Yeah, mm. but as they wrote those songs post Andy leaving, that was like okay, we want to prove we're a hardcore band. Do we push that down to Hanson's? Or do we make that a no means no song? Right. right. And, I, mm. and like when you actually look, it, it, it was fascinating for me um, the last few weeks after you talked to Jason was um, their albums, in terms of my enjoyment of them, I loved how deep their albums were as they moved along, but they never had that immediacy that the early albums had because they would throw... Uh, oh no, Bruno! They would throw a no sex. They would uh, sex mad into there. Mm. They all became statements, like artistic statements, mm. because they had that avenue to siphon off the hardcore music into the Hansons that right. had been a songwriting forum for early No Means No became a commercial forum. For later, no means no. Hmm. No. Hmm. All right, yeah. right, right. And like sense. when you like, I I look at like as I get past um, dance of the headless bourgeoisie, and I get into like all roads leads to Ausfart and the stuff past that, it loses. It get it all. It has is the arty Rob focused music compared to the all three people pushing yeah. hardcore power chord music. Right, mm-hmm. and it's it's really fascinating to me that like yeah. like can you imagine any like, can you imagine any band who ever existed suddenly created a more commercial commercially viable um, profitable side project <laughs> that the way No Means No did is all of a sudden like, I, I I can write a song today. Will it be for my art project or will it be for the one that pays my rent? Right. It's a really fa- it, This is what makes them such a fascinating band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they ever had it in mind to do those exact things, but they just had the talent right there at their core 
to do that, where they had those avenues that they already pre-created to, to do such a That's thing. That's right. Mm-hmm. But they but towards yeah. the end, they released more Hanson's albums than they released No Miss No albums. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yep. and, and yep. there's like the Andy period that was all No Means No, even though we now know and Jason will elaborate on, it's one of my funniest things on the No Means No social media pages is how few people understand Hansons were so deep in early No Means No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because nobody understands they were and, there. And Rob, and Rob, Rob talked about it in, in yeah. the interview about how yeah. John John was drunk and fell asleep and, and was a, woke up a Ramones fan. And that's the crazy <laughs> thing. It's like literally yeah, yeah. Rob literally couldn't sing. Yeah. And Hansons had to exist yeah. for an avenue for and for infamous scientists to evolve into their no means no period is fascinating to me. Yeah. But um, Rob's. So what but, about what about Sex Mad, Andy? So Sex Mad. Heard- so okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, sex Mad. I so uh, to do the whole um, Alcoholics Anonymous thing. My name is Andy, and I accept that Sex Mad is the greatest No Means No song ever written. Oh, oh my God, is oh that boy. your favorite? Oh so you think that No Means No were a recorded on reel-to-reel, two brothers in their basement recording funky, weird, avant-garde music, and Sex Mad, the first song on the first album under the name of that band is Andy stepping forward and saying, fuck you, this is my band now. Yeah. <laughs> it is It is so Andy. It is Andy writ large. It is, we are going loud, we are going big, we are going songwriting, we are not conceptual, we are just writing hardcore punk songs. And I've got, like, my notes are like, the first half of that album is Andy and John writing music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is no Rob. Mm -hmm. And to my point earlier, side A is Rob joins Infamous Scientists, and side B is Andy joins No Means No. Oh, my God. Yeah, for sure. That's because it's the long, drawn out five, six, seven minute, not um, solo music that Andy adds some value to. Whereas that whole first side is Andy and John writing incredible alternative punky songs that Rob gets to add his his bass to. Yeah, huh. his fu to is what yeah. he adds. And, yeah, go fuck and, yourself. And, like, can you imagine? Like, no means no were who they were, and you put on Sex Mad the song on Sex Mad the album. Even when they play that live, all the way through the decades after past Andy leaving, when they got crazy playing that song, it was Rob stood to the back of the stage. Yep, he stood to the back of the stage, flinging his head in time to the yeah. bass he was playing. But like, when you actually, in context, listen to that album, that first album, post 
John and Rob solo basement project is Andy stepping up to the front and saying, this is my band. This is who we are. We are a pop punk band. We are, we play loud guitar and the guitar drives everything. Huh. I, w- I don't know about this pop punk thing, but the fact that you said the guitar drives everything, mm-hmm. I've always thought of Andy as like the, the icing on the cake. Yeah. Se- Sex Mad, but, he, is, but, he is playing the root of the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and Rob is all over the place with that. Oh, God. So I have a, I have a note here that is a general point to some of your other, your other decisions, and which is, how dare you call this song simple? Because you oh, have so a tendency no. to call three and four chord, so- chord songs simple. No, this is not. No, this simple. is not a simple. This song. is like a three or four chord song. This is like a Ono kind Bruno. Kind of. Kind no. But this like, is not like Ono Bruno. This is way more complex than Ono this Bruno. This is a symphony right here. <laughs> but as a, a guitarist, symphony. here's my point: is like Ono Bruno. Tom never figured out live how to play Ono Bruno <laughs> the way Andy played it. Oh yeah, no. The, that little um, breakdown. Tom just played a, a drone note, and Andy played the actual line from the song. This is mm. another one of those. Songs. Oh, the, melo- the, melo- the melodic line. Yeah, yeah right. it's, it's like Andy so would tend to this song. Andy would lose himself. In, in music and tends to lose himself. And you can hear yeah. it in all different contexts. Tom is much, much, much more controlled, very much yeah. not con- yeah. contrived, yeah. but he's, everything is extremely he was, conscious. Me, he was, he was scratchy and Andy was like, like wide. Yeah. So my gift to this podcast and my gift to the no Mizzou community is the Andy core trito. <laughs> I have a spouse this forever. Oh, the tritone, baby! If you oh, yeah. want to, if you want to understand how to play Core era Satan, it is the real? Um, Musica in Diabolis. <laughs> Andy yeah. plays Satan. a, a weird little chord, uh, like a fingering part on his guitar that is called a tritone. It is a flat yeah. fifth triad. If you want to understand how to play guitar to No Means No in the Andy era, any point the sound just gets wild, you play the tritone. You play the root yeah. fifth and root octave and flat and flattened fifth. Flat fifth. Yeah. And it is everywhere Three whole over steps. his music. Tritone. Tritone. Yeah. Three whole steps. C and, to D. D to E. E to F sharp. Tritone. And it's insane it when you when you know that chord shape and on a guitar it is your index finger plays one note, your middle finger plays one fret along, and your ring finger plays another fret along again. You are playing the Andy Kerr tritone, and that yeah. is where he just filled every song of his era. With noise, and my my point a long time ago, I figured about and no means no is John and Rob actually occupy like a tiny little bit of real estate in the Tight. music. Tight. Andy Andy fills everything with that. Yep. He's he's just making so much it's noise. A fu- fucking bunt cake. 
Yeah, he is. You he poke is the like, holes in the bunt cake, and the like, fucking shit falls in the holes. It just fills out, unlike yeah. anything else, because they are so tight together. What Rob yep. is kicking into John on most of the songs, and Andy with his tritone chord, is just like blowing the whole song apart. Yep. And in the um, live videos, you you often see Rob looking at John, and and they just know to let Andy just do his thing. Rob, yeah. Rob and John and are often point. looking at each other very very much, and and Andy they just know he's going to fill in the gaps. And this is Andy's first song in the band, right? That's what's crazy. So when yeah. you actually yeah. watch it, when the point where they play Andy plays his guitar solos. Um, Rob does his absolute freak out um, hammer-ons bass stuff that he does later in other songs. But Andy does a flip of the weird discordant guitar playing and then moves into the weird droning guitar playing that became his signatures. And he did one or the other all the way through his um, his time in No Means No. Just turn your yep, yep. And it's as a guitarist, it's crazy because he figured out an even better guitar solo after this was ah. released. Like when you listen to the like 88, 89 bootlegs, there's a a, a, a a bootleg of them playing in Guelph in 89. The hell is when that? When they play this song. And Andy plays this really, really crazy solo. And Rob is just doing the craziest, um, like, um, picking across the notes to play them in, like, eighth notes across the bass line. When Andy hits the head of his solo, there's a guy on the cassette recorder recording the solo says... This isn't an easy band to dance to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So that is, is totally fucking so hilarious. I, there is so much in Sex Mad that is. It's literally the first song they they pushed out on their first record, record, record that was, this is who No Means No are now. That is just Andy being... This is my band, and we never appreciate that. It is like Andy is so driving what they are doing, but then Zero Plus Two is so fascinating because it, because it is if John and Rob had it's, stayed it's where Rob, they were, exactly, and, and yes. Andy's role was just to create ambience around yep. the darkness yep. of what they were creating. Uh-huh. So. Literally, you could have a podcast that was nothing else but these two, the yin and the yang of No Means No. Yeah, yeah. The, John the and songwriting yep. with everyone getting apart versus the we are just really dark and we all play into each other. Yeah. And that is Fucking great. Fucking great. That is, that is my... Uh, all right, strange. Follow that I, I don't want to read anything. I don't Follow that, Stranger. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't no. You gotta have something. All right. To say, I'm gonna. Re- I'm gonna read it quick. I'm always. I'm always quick and dirty. All right. Putting sex mad 
against zero plus two equals one is blasphemous, and I feel bad for us that we have to choose one over the other. This should be illegal. Can you tell I'm reading this? With all that in mind, I still know which one I was going to pick pretty immediately. Zero plus two equals one is a powerful, powerful, huge piece with tendrils, tentacles, testicles that sludges down the street and takes down everything with it, a mudslide preceded by an earthquake. And to continue with my weather report, sex med is more like a hurricane in its delivery. Delivery, fast, panicked, maniacal, and fierce. Both of these songs churn and pull you in, but one is much more slower, deliberate, and pull as opposed to the other one that's an irate explosion of the other. Was Sex Mad the one where we was Sex Mad the one where we couldn't tell if Andy if it was Andy or John singing? Because I think we had it's questions definitely about it, John yeah. singing. I have and that it's I have John. That in it's, my it's, notes too. Yeah, which is it, like of all their songs. That was the one yeah. when Andy left. It was yeah, like John singing it. Totally, John took it over. It was the same John song. sing John singing it, and he sounds amazeballs. The guitar in this is unreal, and I imagine Andy was moving all over the place when he played it. John and Rob, or uh, John and um, Rob, just sitting there with Andy, just just like we said in one of the first episodes, where he's just sprinkling everything over it. The ghostly sounding drums. Th- that's what I'm talking about in the earlier recordings that has this reverb on it. The ghostly yeah, right. sounding drums always pleased my ears so much and added such mystery. The riff in zero plus two equals one that Rob plays is absolutely hypnotic. There's really no better for- word for it and how it sounds. His vocal work and use of his lyrics in this is just astounding, and the power in it is just gigantic. Both of these songs, behemoth works of art and are truly remarkable works. Nice. I absolutely Man. agree. Um, yep. I'm going to jump right into it because we're already at two and a half hours. And I know, I know. I know. Another round. No, we're which going back. We'll all, I'm going to ask and us I've all had, on round I've two had, of this. Uh, yeah, on, on round two of this, we're going to be a little bit more succinct probably. We'll see. But it, it's yeah. I'm going to dive in because. Um, yep. So I've had five beers. Good for you. You're Sex on Mad time. is oh, Eastern time. I know. What are you? You gonna go to work tomorrow? All right. All yeah, right. Settle down. So Sex, Sex Mad is a song that, uh, yeah, I I would never ever put this at the top of their pantheon. I just wouldn't. So I really like this song a lot. I'm not a punk rocker, so let's put that on the table. No means no is the yep, most hardcore yep, band I like, and I love that. And they've spoken to right. me. There are no other big punk hardcore bands on my favorite bands ever. So in terms of that part of it, no. I've I, I've heard songs like Sex Mad. I, I haven't from other bands. Of course you haven't. But I could, in my ignorance, say, well, that's a band. That's a song I could hear other bands play. I could never imagine another plan song, uh, another band playing zero plus two either equals one in a million years. That nope. said, nope. just like with Beauty and the Beast. Listening to the song on its own, really diving into it, it's a masterpiece, Sex Mad is. Yep. It's a masterpiece. Yep. The musicianship is, is crazy. Andy is fucking on fire in his guitar in oh this. Oh, my God. Everything about it is so tight, so beautiful. Even the lyrics. It's not just a song about sex. This is pure, un- I mean, it is, but it's about the pure, unadulterated id of of the sexual drive. It's so intense and it comes through in the musicianship. It comes through in the delivery. It comes through in the staccato way that you just can't fucking ever help God it. Damn. You're just wanting to pop out of your goddamn pants. 
And yes. and it when also honors the feminist side of No Means No in that lyric of, I know it's not for me to take, right? Like that's a small thing, but that's an important yep. bit that they put in there. Yes. This is that yes. it and that drive, but there's that part, there's that ego that still steps in and says, but I know I can't just fucking run around yeah. and tear people's clothes not off, right? Asshole. I want it, not I want asshole. it, but there's still part of it that's holding on, right? I'm and, not an asshole. And there's, all right, there's still that part of it that is really like driven and really tight and really intense and really smart. So it is holistic in its own way. It's really holistic. Andy, I see your hands up. You're just going to have to wait. You'll have to, you, you have to wait. I'm on my roll. <laughs> so uh, the, the, He's if, gone. If, I, He's if, gone. I, if I interrupt myself, I'll lose my train. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's really driving. It's really intense, but it, doesn't reach to me the level of zero plus two equals one, which for me is a song that is delivered from somewhere else. Rob mentioned to us that many of his, his songs that he feels closest to, and this is something I was really interested in hearing from him and wanted to know, just got yeah. delivered and just ended up in his mind, like out, out of nowhere. And to me, that's the root of creativity. This is for me as an artist, as an actor and stuff like that. That's what I've always been searching for. It's what I look for. It's what I love in drawing or anything else, those moments where it's like, no, this came through me. Zero plus two equals one yeah. feels like one of those delivered songs that wasn't constructed. It was manifested through this band. And I think especially through Rob's lyrics. And this is a song where you have this song in five, four time. That's got this, it's it's like yes it's, you it's, didn't yes it's the dark, thank you for mentioning it's that. the dark clockwork right it's just clockwork enough to make you yes. think oh it's the gear behind the universe but it's off it's not the gear behind the universe right. it's in five four time five, it's got four. these Fuck you it's got these obscene beautiful uh, uh textures of randy of randy of andy behind with the guitars and john with the fucking whatever that percussion instrument of these like dragging the stick along the ribs it's just like that's just happening all the time and it's just this nuts. it's this uh, uh, a beautiful reminder and even the lyrics ping between this destruction of our need to find order in the universe but not just nihilism it's pointing to something greater than what we can understand i don't feel like this song to me is saying there's no meaning it's saying you will never understand it you will never be able to understand it because you're so our I, our perception, our understanding is so small. The universe is way too big for you. I don't think it's saying there's nothing there. This song no. ping pongs behind telling you, you you can never understand it. It's not about you, but also, <laughs> but there's something really fucking big there that is beautiful and strange and magnificent that you should really just fucking sit and worship and 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 let let it wash over yeah. you and not yes. try to fit it in your boxes that's different exactly. than that's oh, different than that's nil, than nihilism it's different yep. it's pulling down a a a a veil and making you look at the raw input that's impossible to look at and this song incorporates for me the overwhelming feeling of standing in front of that kind of truth 
not a heavily constructed truth. And he does that so masterfully lyrically by using a bunch of phrases and images and other things that you recognize, but then he tweaks them in a way that make you just go, what the fuck? Like count on your fingers. It's the rule of the thumb. thumb. He doesn't say rule of thumb, which is the saying. He says rule of the thumb, which just opens it up to all sorts of other shit. But every line is like that. Every line refers outside of itself, but breaks down its reference in a way that it's no longer what the reference is. He's breaking that reference apart in front of your very eyes to show you what's underneath. There's Gregson. He always agrees with me, this Gregson guy. It's breaking that apart. And then with just Rob's, like, he's the clockwork behind this. He's that da-da-da-da-da. Just the fucking clockwork behind it. Well, everything behind him is this chaos. So this song has the clockwork. It has the chaos. It has that beautiful melding of the two. With this unholy, holy priest just... Gregson, stop it. It's okay, just... it's. I'd rather him just meow than you try to stop him. It's better. All right, all right. So it's this unholy sort of torrent, but it's it's not unholy. That's the wrong word for it. It's, you know, pantheistic almost, and it's or anti-pantheistic. Anyway, it's fucking gorgeous. This song lives deep, deep in my subconscious. Deep, 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 I know deep. it does. Sex Mad, I, I really... It. Sex Mad, I really enjoy. It lives nowhere in my subconscious. It just doesn't. Um, not because it's not brilliant. I don't know. I, there's something for me. This is where this, I love this, this particular episode because it helps me to see how the, the people that are really deeply into the Andy era hear something in that that I also hear, but the void, the, what Rob is bringing in that other part no, of it. I, I know you're absolutely co- fucking co- right. Comes to a place that I've never, ever heard any other band approach in, in exactly. any way. Yep. And I love yep. that those, that's the same fucking band. It's the same goddamn band. Exactly. And, and they're right here in these two songs. Some for side everybody. By side. They're side some by side. for everybody. But yes. I, I think, and Andy has told us that zero plus two equals one is his favorite on this album. He was not shy about saying that. Um, I think this song is, is delivered from on high. I think it's a fucking, this is Moses yep. bringing something, a tablet down from the heavens and saying, I don't know, guys, here, you take a look what you think, <laughs> but fucking here it is. And I'm oh, just God. sitting there going like, well, I have this golden calf back here, but fuck that, man. I'm all about it. I'm, I'm down. I'm down. I'll learn the, uh, I'll, I'll learn this weird mathematics and puzzle over it forever. And then realize that my puzzling over it is antithetical to the very nature of what you're trying to get me to do or hear in this song. So talk about Jesus. the sound of one hand clapping, man. Christ. This song is absolutely oh. the sound of one hand clapping in all respects. And I will never, ever, ever get enough of this absolute fucking masterpiece of a song. Sure. And and Sex Mad has now become a song I deeply appreciate. When, frankly, and this will lose me all sorts of cred, back in the day, I would skip it. I wouldn't listen to it. I, I just wouldn't. I didn't care about it. Now I love it. Now I fucking love Sex Mad. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, do. It's brilliant. Oh, God. And I absolutely adore it. It will never approach zero plus two equals one for me. That's just that. Um, so fuck. Now I oh guess we got to head up to round two. So uh, wait, did Matthew get the talk yet? Well, yep. not for round two. He's yeah, he did. He was start starting. So he's going to start us off with the round two. Part I don't remember it because it's been like it's been like an hour. <laughs> I know. Oh God, is anybody listening anymore? I know. <laughs> oh no. Hi everybody, I'll keep it short. Keep it succinct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey Matthew. Okay. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, sex mad. Um, 
I love the bass tone. Uh, <laughs> sounds like it's being played in a big uh, underground tank of some kind. Um, I love Andy's growls and grunts. Very little bothers me about the song. I love how driving it is and how, um, yeah, it's, it's fun to shake your ass to. It's just exactly what it should be, uh, which is a song about the id. Um, I don't... I might introduce uh, like a newbie to it because it's ju- it's just so energetic, uh, but it's not what I would want people to rem- like to, to to have stick out about No Means No. Like that's not the song I would want them to remember, um, and yet it is totally iconic and totally essential to an understanding of No Means No and appreciation of No Means yeah. No. I think um, yeah. my favorite bits in uh, Zero Plus Two Equals One. Uh, this the sound effects, the the re- relentless bass, the, um, the onrushing sound, um, the right after um, the dreams of a mouse lyric. Um, yeah, very little bothers me about it, except that I love Valley of the Blind and I want to hear it at the end of Zero Plus Duke was on, but um, because of the, you know the the uh, how they're bonded. Um, would I introduce a newbie to it? No, <laughs> too scary, <laughs> too weird, <laughs> um, too scary. Yeah. Um, representative. Yes. in that it is so it's like distilled so much of what Rob is putting out there. This is like the pure form. This is the crystalline form. Um, yep. Yeah. Musically, that's not super accessible. It is uh, absolutely towering in places and in, in, in uh, terms of its place in their body of work, I would say, I think it would be, should be better known. Um, but yeah, I, I think about the lyrics all the time. Um, probably at least if not daily, every couple of days, I think about some yeah. aspect of it that reminds me of, um, yeah. and yeah, wow. that's what I'll, that's what I'll say about that. Nice. All right, Andy, your hand has been up for a while and now it's your turn. So go for it. <laughs> um, it's, it's a tough one for me. Um, zero plus two, I think is the culmination of the commercial Andy era. It is where they had gone if they had wanted to become a popular, successful commercial band. Um, And it still has some amazing songs on it, but I totally understand why it's like the demarcation point of where Andy thought, do I want to continue this? And the band thought, do I want to continue this? I think they were very happy where they were and they played some games along, well, this is what it will take to become more popular than this. I think that's absolutely fantastic. I think Zero Plus Two equals One as an album um, is that whole dichotomy of objective versus subjective. I think it's probably one of my favorite albums, but I would never say it's my, I think it's their best album. I think Wrong has a place where just everything about it, even if it's not your favorite songs in the favorite order, wrong, they got everything right at the time yep. to make oh, an album that just became a zeitgeist of that era of music. Like, wrong is no means no's version of um, Milo Goes to College, New Day mm-hmm. Rising, um, Minor Threat's first album. Like if you listed the listed the ten albums you needed to listen to that were understanding this kind of music, wrong would be there. But it doesn't mean it's my favorite album. It doesn't mean I think it's where the best songs are. I think plus zero plus two equals one is where 
they really understand understood what they were doing and really started to write songs that were this would project us forward this would actually increase our audience and i love i would love to go back to the point of like is that really what they wanted with that well think about um, when it came out I, 90 91 after 91 yeah. there was grunge and, and, and there was pop yeah. punk yeah Exactly. And if ever you if ever you want to do a, another show that is about how did the world change pre and post grunge, because my yeah. band and all my contemporaries from the band I was in were in the middle of that of like the people like the band that were on my first ever seven inch who got signed to Fat Records with No Effects versus all the bands who were playing, who got to play and headline Glastonbury, who had been playing a pub stage for 100 people back then. It's a, it, it, it dominates my thought on how that whole alternative music world lives. Um, but to pull it all back down, Sex Mad, the song on the album, is... Everything about it is what I believed in and loved about this era of music. Nice. It is, there is nice. so much in there and there are so many parts and there are so many weird parts and there is so much authenticity into it. Mm. Yeah. And, it and it was, it was no means no, it was their uh, Martin Luther banging the nail into the church door. <laughs> It was Whoa. no means no saying. This is who we are. We are. Yeah. We, uh, we understand music theory. We understand hardcore punk. We understand music theory. We are better music musicians than any of you are, and we fuck around with this type of music way more than any of you do. And sex. But, but they never sounded like they they knew music. I mean, they sounded like they knew music theory, but they never prophesized yeah. whatever the word is. They weren't they they, 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 yeah. super as they, supercilious yeah, they, as you're they, sounding. Exactly. They never said like we're the shit. They yeah. weren't like Rick Wakeman and and yes no, and no, no. like look they look at that. No, they, they but they did it subtly. But That's they did it in so a way that people who understood. Oh yeah, yeah. I I get. Yeah. That's the joke. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. And that's why I, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Why me and Strangey have always been friends is we've got the whole yep. British British comedy vibe of everything in our core of how we see the world. And No Man's No have a vibe of this is a weird tangent that yes. unless you really understand it and you really take time to exactly. learn this, exactly, it wouldn't be funny. It would just be weird. And um, why yeah. did you do that? But to me and Michelle, there's always been an element of, yep, look, we got a young one. Sure, you, you did this, and and why would you do that? Well, we did it because it's exactly what because everyone expected us not to do. Exactly. And yes. I, I had a note, and this is for you, Michelle. Totally. I had are a note next to us. Are, are you going to propose? To hey, me? now. Yeah, you're three hours away. <laughs> we, we got past that point. But my, my, oh, note, for, oh. my, <laughs> my note for zero plus two equals, three, equals one is <laughs> oh. Rob is playing all the right notes, 
but not necessarily in the right order. In the right order. And my whole point of being on this podcast was to, to get Michelle to this point. You got her there. One of the funniest things I've ever seen. But the point right. is, is perfect, which is not my favorite line in all no, no means no is nonsense is better than no sense at all. Yeah. Oh, and, and that is where all their music, oh, all their music lives. Oh, my God. Yep. And and zero plus two equals one is a is a, a incredibly complicated song, but sex mad is an incredibly basic song that is made. Oh, Jesus! It just Christ. like exponentially grows as if I wanted to play anyone the song that really just grabbed them with enthusiasm and passion, yep. and this is what. This is the energy I believe is in this music. Sex Mad would be that. Nice. I could I could right. I could argue and make a case for zero plus two plus two equals one. But Sex Mad, I would want that to be viscerally felt by the person I played it to. That's interesting. Makes That's sense. interesting. Yeah. Oh my god. All right. Strangey, what about you? Let's remember we're on round two, so you can talk about if they're representative of that whole, strangely. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm really going to I'm going to make it quick because we're running over and I'm a little bit drunk. A little. And I've met my soulmate in front of y'all. Sex mad is what I'm fucking picking. Are we picking We're not picking. Thing? We're on round 2. We're oh! not voting yet. God damn it. Jesus Christ. Oh. <laughs> Jordan. Jordan, I'm sorry. I don't care. I'm a little bit drunk. That's good. Listen. I already read my. I already read. Well, you, if you I read, read all your paper. stuff here, here we'll, we'll keep it quick. I already I, I, did. I, I, don't have I much thought to, we were on the vote. No, we're not. I, I have a. I have just a little bit to add to this. So, oh, in God. terms of Matthew, are these songs, Matthew, help just, me. Just, Matthew, no, just chill out. Matthew, if, if I was, sh- sh- chill out. If if I was to say whether uh, these two songs are representative of No Means No as a whole, of course they are. I mean, oh, almost God. all songs are. Uh, zero plus two equals one and sex matter representative in different ways, right? Like, I don't know. I, I think we've, uh, in, a, in a very sort of Plato's forms sort of way, talked about how they are of different eras, different feelings, different uh, aspects of this band. They're <laughs> absolutely representative of it. But I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to, I would put zero plus two as a high example of something very representative and sex mad. I don't know. It doesn't get there for me. Not that it's not a great song, but I would, I don't think I'd ever introduced the sex man to anybody in this just because of what, I, what, how, what the band means to me, not because it's not a great song, but it's not the part of the band that I oh, want to God. introduce people to. It's not the part that I, I'm, that I'm I sorry. just relax, chill out, Michelle, quit apologizing, please. And then zero plus two equals one. I have introduced to people, but only certain people. And mostly because I want them to hear the poetry. And I think the lyrics serve the poetry really well. So it is a it is a song I've used the newbies, you know, I've used with newbies before, but only particular newbies, not not too many. Um, so no, I wouldn't think that either of these are too newbie worthy for me on that front. But they're both incredibly indicative of two different strains that I think have been brought out really well in the conversation in this podcast in a way that we've never really gone into can, so heatedly can. before that I think is fucking great. Yes, can Michelle. I can I can I re-say my stuff? If you need I don't to. think I would ever play zero plus two for one zero plus two equals one for anybody because I don't think they'd get it. 
It could you got to work your way up to that. You could, yeah. You it's, really have to work your way it, up to it's that. It's intense. But there's some people I know that yeah. that have that intensity already that that's where I want to start mm. them because I want them to know, oh. hey, this band goes all but, the way but, down. But, but do you know what happens when you say to somebody, hey, I want you to listen to this song, listen. No, no, but that's you, what I'm saying. It's, 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 you're it's, not it's, you're it's in, there. It's in my room in the dark with headphones. Oh, it's not like, hey, here, here, listen to yes. this in the car while we're driving I, I down know. to the mall. I like, know. It's not that. I, I, All right, let's. No, no. Listen, we, I know. I'm going to be merciful. I'm, I'm on, sorry. No, I'm going to be merciful on the listeners. We're almost three hours into this. We're going to do this vote, which I, <laughs> oh again, feels like it's coming down to a Matthew, dice roll. Matthew, help me. So, Matthew. Matthew. No, shut up, Michelle. Matthew, it's Matthew's turn. Matthew, what do you got? Who's your vote? Um, sex mad is the id. Um, zero plus two equals one is uh, the impotent, thwarted, eternally thwarted superego. And if I have to compare myself to one of those things, I gotta give it to zero plus two equals one. Oh, I knew it. Uh, Andy, yeah, it's sex mad. I think it is. Um, if I played any one song, if any context I put a no means no thing on. Sex Mad would be, would be the one I put on. There you go. Strangey. Oh, baby. Do sex it. Mad. Strangey. I already, Fuck, told, I already told you my vote. Fuck, I know. It's going to be right. Sex Mad. Right. Oh, my God. My listen vote. to John. Would you listen to John? You've had your chance. Now, my chance we is to say. We fucking were sitting in front of a fireplace with him. I know. And he was right there. And my vote. Right there. My vote is zero plus two equals one because I think <laughs> it's from. Higher in the universe than Sex Man could ever hope to be. And so, are you really going to roll the dice? I'm going to roll the dice. Are you going to roll the dice? work tomorrow. What's happening here? I'm really upset because I really, really don't want this dice roll to go wrong. So, Andy's one, I'm two, Matt's three, Michelle's four. Fuck. No. This is this. I'm calling the cops. It's one. It's one. It's Andy. Andy's out. Zero plus two equals one goes through. Oh Sex my God! Oh, thank God. Damn. You fucking fucks! You people! Oh you, this, this is the Christ. the anti Ono Bruno lobby. Like, oh! yeah, own this, own this decision. No, like me and Strangey are gonna start a podcast that is pro Ono Bruno. If I, if I if yeah, I they're gonna to own it. Andy and Strangey are gonna move to Amsterdam now. <laughs> Do it. If I have to, yes. own, if I have to, we're, own it, we're gonna, I'm gonna. If I, I have I've to, got if, this, I'm gonna grab this into the context of everything. We're just gonna but, play but, this. But, we're gonna play songs. Zero plus oh two equals zero plus two equals one would be nothing without what Andy brought to it, which is a fucking enormous. Oh my god! Element. Yeah, totally. It's a holistic song. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you have it, folks. We're going to wrap this up. We're, oh, Jesus. We I'm, at, I'm really drunk, and I think I Andy we're, is too. We're, we're going to be at three I think hours if we were together clips, tonight, so we're gonna it this, would uh, end up pretty badly. We're going to keep this out. Listen, everyone, we, we, you've, prob- you've probably <laughs> both broken this up into at least a couple of different listens. I, I would if I were you. Um, and by this time, we're all pretty sloshed, especially the two of us. So we're going to go ahead and read the outro. No Means No Thing is produced and edited by yours truly, Jordan Flato. Co-hosting and podcast graphics are by Matthew Kowalik. Uh, Michelle Strait, this is our third, very drunk, and everyone's favorite co-host and official Foley artist. Shout out to our official mascot, Teddy. Hey, Teddy. And thank you to No Means No for the use of stock taking is our intro and outro music. And just a reminder that good intent and honesty do not redeem. Mom, I'm sorry. Good intent and honesty do not redeem stupidity.
Oh, shit. For whatever that's oh. fucking worth. All right. Thanks for coming on, uh, Andy, as well. Thanks for no, coming on, Andy. And, and, and Andy, and, make uh, sure Andy doesn't turn off his computer. No, Jordan. no. Well, not only that, oh. we still got to do oh. the. He, he gets to be here for the draw for next week. But, Andy, you can't say I don't think I can are. write. It's, I these threw are, my glasses. These are going in the chat, Andy, so you'll see what the next ho- or next guest is up with. But you don't get to say anything out loud. No, yeah. no. My fucking no words. Soulmate, right here. All right, is it, settle the, down. This between no means no and Morecambe and Wise is me and Strangey for twenty five years. <laughs> All right, this is not this is not a hard one for me. But here we go. I'm going to put it into chat. Oh, my computer is really not. <laughs> this is. A special arrangement. All right, there's your first uh, first okay. one. I don't see it written. It's in the it's chat. This is a special arrangement. Oh, no, it's not. Sorry, I accidentally... Fuck it, hold on. That's my fault. <laughs> All right, there we go. Oh, oh, oh my God. Easy. Oh, wow, this is going to be an interesting one, too. Okay, this is going to be an interesting episode. I don't we, I don't know that we would call it... Oh, wait, titans, I got to write it on good. the same paper. Hmm. Oh my okay. God, Mom! I'm sorry. Is your mom really I listening to this? Right probably week. not. That, that second oh, that, pairing. that second yeah. one's easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Andy, don't turn off your computer because yeah, you got to make sure the things I'm in the stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. For joining us, we'll talk to you later. All right, <laughs> bye. Fuck off. <laughs> oh God.